to trash us. The name's not girls, Letitia fucking Lewis. Duncan and both come correct. <laughs> I always love it where we dispense with fuckery. I mean, who needs it, really? Uh, look, you. every now and again you run across a fuckery dispenser. Well, yes, I have. And what I've realized is that sometimes that's not good. Sometimes it's great, though. Sometimes you just want, like, maximum fuckery. If you can get it. Speaking of maximum fuckery, welcome back to Duck and a Boat Come Correct, everyone. I hate when he does that. I, uh, it's a sneaky opening, and it's tradition. <laughs> it um, is tradition by now, surely. Right. So, um, you may uh, you may have noticed uh, we, we've been away just, you know, doing other shit. Sometimes sometimes life gets in the way, Duncan. And, yes, uh, sometimes life doesn't find a way, boy. Right. That's true. Like, uh, uh, Jeff Goldblum will be quick to tell you life, uh, uh finds a way but yep. in reality sometimes life uh uh is a real motherfucker and <laughs> life be putting up obstacles yeah uh I, you may have noticed duncan uh oh. america uh have, having a bit of a time lately uh, i, I kind of thought i mean i thought the way you were going there is america fuck yeah but it turns out that that song might just be America, fuck no. Um, or just uh, America, fuck. Fuck. Yeah. yeah well. <laughs> it's just goddamn exhausting. But then a, a show came along, Duncan, that was well, like, hey. Pull the brakes, pull the brakes. A show came along, and the, right, we've been on what I've been dubbing a seasonal hiatus. Yes, right? I think Which, that's fair. I think it is fair, and I also think that, granted that in the last, what, I think in the last three years, I think the longest we have not been podcasting together is maybe about a month. Mm. So we've we're pretty much went we went straight from Twin Peaks, straight into the X Files, straight into Westworld, um, and then did a bit of commentary stuff, uh, and then straight into um oh what was that show with the uh, the terror? The terror, the terror, and also yep. uh there was some uh no no place to die young. Yes, so like we literally went like from show to show to show to show, and then we decided to mix up the format a little bit and give us a both time to breathe, uh, and a way where we weren't recording like pretty much on top of each other. So we took a short break. It worked out quite well. Podcast Under the Stairs does their massive summer mm-hmm. series, which is very time intensive on myself. Of which, to be fair, you contribute quite a bit too. So we've given ourselves a break, and to be honest. I was at that stage where I was like, that. see if we come back at the end of the year, that'll be fine. See if we don't come back this year. I mean, I need something to spark the creative juices, Bo. And you had a suggestion, which is not what we're doing right now. Right. We're going to get to that. But we but we will. Yeah. Having watched the, the first episode of what you suggested, I cannot fucking wait. This, this, this <laughs> is going to so be happy. amazing. Yeah. This is going to okay. be the greatest thing that's ever happened, right? I like, yeah, <laughs> like so, so much fun. Um, but we put the so I was like, I'd geared up, I'd set myself right. This is when we're going to be back to do it and all the rest. And then you, um, out of, out of the blue, were like that. Listen, this, and I was like, okay, but I I cannot, I have not watched this yet. And you're like, oh, you need to watch this. Mm-hmm. And um, I watched the first two episodes last night, of which we will cover on this particular show, ladies and gents. That's right. And we've literally just said off air. Within the first minute and 10 seconds, I have dedicated my life to this show. Um, I am on board as much as on board as you can get. Um, 
I have reworded uh, lyrics to a little bit country, and it's now just a little bit Lovecraft. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I'm now like wholly sold on this, but once again, with the caveat that later on in the year, we will return with what promises to be the most ludicrous thing we've ever done, and that is including X-Files and <laughs> Twin Peaks yeah. and all the rest. It has like the potential later on this year for the greatest thing we've ever done is, is there. Um, as a show that just so easily wants to be mocked. So. <laughs> yeah, it's yes. We, it, and without spoiling any more about it, it will be a delight. I, I both of us are excited about it because it yeah. is uh, just just shit. It's, it's the it's the um, it's the TV show equivalent of when redditors post that roast me hashtag roast me. Uh-huh. It's literally the TV version of that. It's daring to be spit roasted by both of us and. And we're going to do it. Uh, and I can't fucking wait. Yeah. Yeah. Like one episode and it's like, oh, you're sure to be making fun of this. And you're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I still are. don't know. Yeah. I still am not entirely sure whether or not it's a serious show. Uh, I, I, only, I only watched one. I've, <laughs> so I, I'm know. I'm deeper than you are. And it certainly thinks it is. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, we'll get again. That's a whole other uh, a whole other season of this show. <laughs> Um, this is, of course, talking about go to Lovecraft Country. Yes. Uh, but before we go to Lovecraft Country, before we pack up Woody and hit the road, Duncan. Yes, I like everything that's happening right now. <laughs> it's so good. Um, we like to, uh, it, it is our, our tradition on the show. We we talk a little bit about what we've been watching. I don't, Duncan, I don't know if you've ever listened before, but. Never back, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> son of a bitch. Uh, but what we do is uh, we we talk about the uh, the movies generally something good something bad, mm-hmm. and 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 trade a, a little cinematic fun that way. We do. We have we have what is known uh, commonly and uh, or nominally and the uh, podcasting world as a bit of pre-show banner. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. Who'd have thought? Banter done. Um, <laughs> the, the Scottish <laughs> version. I have not missed these accents at all. Even just a little, bit, even even a little bit. Like. Uh, that's a lie. So, Duncan, give me give yeah. me something. Give me the bad first. What, what? Give me give me something that uh, you saw that was maybe a little bit of a disappointment. And all. Um, yeah. So it's not even a disappointment. I just think it's bad <laughs> like, across the board. Um, oh, I almost lost my coffee on that one. All right. Yeah. So I've been like, Shudder has like really stepped up this year. I mean, really stepped up this mm-hmm. year and is about to like become like steroid injected over the next. Then I've just announced there's 61 days of October and they are bringing a ton of stuff there, including a couple of big Duncan recommends in uh, the form of uh, the Mortuary Collection, which will be making its way in, I believe, October, October 15th. Um, which I saw at Fright Fest and loved, as well as uh, The Cleansing Hour, which I also very much recommend, um, which is sometime in October as well. But they've been on a tear. I think we spoke, we've spoken about this whilst not necessarily on a recording, things like uh, The Beach House, which I thought was okay. Some people lost their minds over it. Um, and, and things like La Llorona, uh, which I actually thought was super fucking strong. Um even though it's like not what everyone wanted it to be, it was much more a kind of the the kind of sins of the the, the kind of the sins of the war crimes of a 
uh, a former general presidente coming back to haunt him. Viva um, el presidente! <laughs> Viva. Uh, Sorry, that's the young ones in me. Anytime someone... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I wasn't ready for that, um, but so I've, I've been, I've been, I've been taking the time to catch up because over I don't know, like in the states, Shudder's pretty good, in the UK it hasn't been great, and it's finding its footing. It's taken a couple of years, but now they're they are acquiring a lot of titles, which I think is great. So they're not just putting things on that have been around for a while; they're actually acquiring new titles and putting them out exclusively on the platform. And one that I was really interested in had one of the best artworks I've seen in a while, and I should have guessed as soon as I heard the word anthology, but with Scare Package. Oh, yeah, sure. Oh, yeah, I, I want to check out this Scare Package because... Yeah, I saw that. Uh, yeah, also, it's kind of co-directed, curated by the dude that did um, The Pale Door, which I watched recently, mm-hmm. which is... It's okay. It's not amazing. Okay. It, its poster was infinitely better than what I hoped it was, but I had a kind of Wild West setting and dealt with witches and all the rest. I, I mean, I'm going to have a soft spot for that because we always say it's a great time period to set a horror movie and we just don't get many of them. Um, so I was interested. Uh, and the scare package is awful. Um, like, absolutely awful. And I, I once again... I think there's a there is a misconception that you give a bit of money to some horror friends and we're all one big community and we're all friends and we're all directors and all the rest and we'll just we'll all work together and this is our opportunity to work together. We'll do an anthology and that will equate that experience of working as friends making like a collaborative horror project will translate to a great horror project for an audience and that doesn't happen it, it very seldom happens actually I've yet to find one that I think across the board where there's an amalgamation of kind of indie horror directors all working together that the output at the end is something like even above average it just tends to be a bit average and I think the reason behind that is quality control whoever's in charge of that project will not you know fuck off their friends by saying you know what you've turned in isn't great <laughs> It's going to make the end of it. And the remarkable thing for me about Scare Package is really there isn't any that any that are great. Like, even the the linking story might be the best thing about that. And to be honest, it runs afoul of kind of overstaying its welcome with its humour, like about the, the third segment of it. Um, mm-hmm. And then the humour was done... Across the board, it's just pretty subpar. And what really shocked me is it's essentially the same idea. It's masked killers all the way through it. And that's not what an anthology, like an anthology which is based around videotapes um, and a video store. I'm thinking, you know, we're going to get the, the run of like vampires and, you know, ghosts and all the rest. It is a, it's essentially a slasher killer in every short segment. And not very good one. <laughs> like, um, and it finished, and I, I just felt a bit, not even despondent. And I, I was like, once again, I go, I shouldn't do it, but I go online to see what people are saying, and a lot of people, relatively high on it, and for the wrong reasons. Oh, Joe Bob Briggs is in it. That's great. And oh like, yeah, I totally yeah, but, forgotten that. But you're right. Yeah, Joe Bob Briggs is in it. Which right, that's a cool nod. To those that grew up with him and enjoy the content that he does, I never grew. It wasn't a thing in Scotland, um, and obviously we're getting it through Shudder. I think he's very funny at what he does, um, 
you know, curating lists of movies that people might not have seen. Now, I've enjoyed vicariously living through other people, finding movies that I've seen so many times it's unbelievable. Um, but even his segment in it is pretty fucking bad. And, like, it's... I think the sum of its parts are things that you might get excited about, but the actual construction is very underwhelming. It's much like putting together IKEA furniture, bro. Um, like when you have all the parts laid out, it seems like an ambitious project that might, might at the end of it fulfil the promise of a sturdy bit of furniture, which will be long-standing. And when you put it together, you realise you've got extra parts. Um, it doesn't sit quite right. It's kind of lopsided. And none of the doors shut. Uh, that's kind of <laughs> it was kind of my opinion. The scare package. I thought it was pretty fucking awful. Um, even by anthology standards, it was pretty fucking awful. So yeah, that's my bad. Have you seen it? I have seen it, and I agree with everything you said. I <laughs> I couldn't uh, I couldn't remember as you were talking about. I was like. I know I've seen this. I don't remember shit about this movie already. Oh, and it's only bad. been a couple of months or whenever it hit Shudder. I watched it pretty quick. Yeah, um, it's been out just under two months. You've yeah. seen it within two months. And, and I'm, it's, yeah, it's fresh in my mind, but I, I hopefully will have forgotten about it. When, when you mentioned Joe Bob Briggs, I was like, oh, right, that fucking movie. Yeah, where... a whole segment. A whole segment, which there is no payoff to that segment, by the way, because it's the linking story expanded out. Right, it just and... becomes the third act of the movie. Yeah. And it was like, this is the thing I liked least, I think. Yeah. Uh, I mean, none of it's good. Mm. It all feels super cheap and super winky in a way that isn't... Like, that's not a good time for me, this kind of meta-commentary of... Yep. Uh, and, and so sloppily done. You know. It's the egregious use of, like, we've talked about this before. I know you're kind of over with the nods to the 80s. I know I, like, played it played its cards down in front of you, and you have walked away from that table a couple of years ago. I'm still, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? I'm still, I will, I will still get excited about, like, certain things, certain aspects to be used. But the now cheap way of doing that is uh, kind of, we'll shove a sin score in and do a little bit of Argento lighting, and that's us. You know, we're, we're imagining the 80s. And it's done in such a, a a clearly cynical way to cover up how cheap the project is mm-hmm. that you don't have... Like, Argento did it on cheaper projects, but Argento is still a fucking master of horror. And, you know, like, he knew where to put the camera. So, like, you know, like... And, and, and uh, it's yeah, just so fucking yeah. flat. It's flat is the word that I would use. Yeah, it it's that false energy of a movie like it's very bright and it and mm. it's very uh like the the camera does move around a bunch but it's like listening to somebody tell you their plan to open a restaurant on cocaine yeah <laughs> Be where, it's, where it's, it's it's fast and it's loud and it's coming at you a mile a minute and at the end of it you're like that was all just fucking garbage yeah uh, i'll not be eating there yeah right uh, that's a it might as well be called Salmonella Fills. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> that's that's a stomach ulcer that I choose not to have. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, you know, look, toilet's still in short supply in some places. Uh, toilet paper. Uh, but yeah, I, yeah, I thought that movie was real bad too. And and you're right. I think there was there was that group of there there's always this like clutch of people online that seem no matter what the movie is 
there's that brief like 48 hour window after it's released they're like oh it's really good and then a bunch of people see it and like the mass kind (laughs) of brings them down to earth where it's like no 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 you just saw it early and didn't know what you were talking about no no this is awful they tend to be involved with the project that's the thing that unfortunately has become a a bigger issue in the horror community is it's become so tightly closed in on itself in terms of right here here we're all friends and we're all making horror movies and all the rest and as a result of that the industry's got kind of involved with that as well they're all friends that way as well so certain sites you're bloody disgusting you're so shocked till you drops um all the rest give out you know accolades based on i think friendship as yeah. opposed to or well done for trying hard and I'm, I, yeah, I don't want a well done for trying hard. I want a, is it good or is it not? <laughs> right. You know what I mean? still got to watch it. I don't care how it got made. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I wasn't, I wasn't on the set. I, you know, I didn't attend this guy's wedding. I just want to know, did he make a good movie? Oh, he didn't. Right. That's cool. I don't, and it was, I, I just, yeah, it was, rather than spending much more time on it, I just think it's one of those, one of those start reminders that one, I don't necessarily think anthologies work for me. As a whole, there's so few of them that I class as being like good to great. Um, and on top of that, though, I just think that if you're gonna do something like that, I think what is incumbent is to get purely original, different. And a lot of respects, uh, while something like a VHS partly worked and partly didn't work for me, the exciting thing about that is you had directors from all over the world working on that. And I think you need that in an anthology. I think it should be... The whole point of an anthology is to hit as many bases as possible. So not everything works for you, but at least there'll be one thing in there that you can you know, gravitate to and hold on to tight. And the problem with this one is that it doesn't have that. And as a result, when you watch The Mortuary Collection, which is written and directed by one director, has one visual style, um, when you get to the end of that, you'll realise how fucking great that is because it has to be one way or the other. It can't be oh, we're all just friends, let's work together. It has to be one person's passion project from start to finish tackling different kind of short stories or it has to be the let's just get directors from all over the world to chip in and some of it will work and some of it won't work rather than just let's try and do something really cheaply and here's here's what you get at the end. Surpri- surprisingly bad. <laughs> That's the only way I can describe it. You know, the anthology that when I wouldn't have said this at the time I saw it, but now that I look back and when I think of like what's the best anthology of the past like decade or so, the one that I keep thinking of is Southbound. Southbound's great. Yeah. Southbound's, Southbound's a- the first one since Trick or Treat that actually made me like think, all right, this formula's still got legs. Yeah. There there's a real like uncanny feeling of dread that follows you, I think, throughout that whole film that even the 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 stories that i think maybe are less successful than the others there's still that tone of just like man this movie just feels wrong yeah there there's something about it that feels like a little unclean yeah i'm i'm 100% with you it was a surprise that one for me to be to be fair but yeah just just across the board i think i think it just uh, it, it, the the formula to me is I know some people love it. I think the people that love it just, I don't think necessarily, and, and this is not a swipe at anyone, just some people have different attention spans. I think a lot of people that really love 
uh, anthologies just don't like watching two and a half hour horror movies, which is fine. It's just like you've been able to hit pause and then go away and then come back and watch the next story. Um, and that is fine. But to me, um, I'd much rather be enthralled and captivated for two and a half hours for you know a great payoff than watch a lot of mediocre payoffs very quickly put back to back. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, yeah I, I'm with you on that one. Speaking of the shutter, I'll give you my bad because I, I want to end on a good note. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I I watched uh, just last night. I watched the shed, which is a new shutter acquisition here. In uh, the, yeah, in the I US. saw this getting advertised. This is a Mike Mendez project. Okay, I that uh, he didn't direct it. I think he produced it, maybe, or he's okay. involved somewhere in it because he was promoting it a lot yesterday. So, so I and I had a lot of people, including uh, people we both know, saying uh-huh. like, "This movie's good," and <laughs> and so I watched it last night, and I was like, "Oh no, no, it's this is not good." Um, <laughs> and, and so here's the premise. I think the premise is kind of interesting, which is, uh, a kid, uh, discovers ET like that. There is a creature living in his shed, Ooh. but it's a vampire mm-hmm. and, uh, and he kind of keeps it chained in there and it can't get out. And then slowly, uh, like a buddy of his, that is a little bit tweaked because he's been bullied all his life is mm-hmm. like, Hey, what if we just start throwing fuckers? We don't like into that shed for that vampire to eat. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then it, it turns into, Holy shit. We've got to fight vampires, uh, at the end of the movie. Uh-huh. And it's bad. Okay, first of all, it's a a tonal turn from like this kind of more dramatic idea of like, okay, well, you know, this kid has been bullied so much that he has become a monster himself. Who is the real monster, Duncan? Is it the kid or the vampire? You know, and that's something. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not great, but it's something. Something you can sink your teeth into, but don't one might say, but shouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) but the the problem with with the movie is that a it's it's very poorly written there's a lot of real groaning dialogue in it where you're just like oh like this (laughs) this feels like it needed another pass um and the one standout is there's a kid whose name is Dahmer not spelled the same but come on people um (laughs) just stop it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh, Dahmer is the standout of the movie because mm-hmm. his character is the one who's kind of bullied. The actor is uh, is certainly giving it a go yeah. and, and kind of taking the part for a little bit of a walk, but in, in kind of the right way. Um, but then, like I said, it becomes this sort of 80s, speaking of Argento lighting, the, this 80s kind of, hey, there are vampires in the house and we have to kill them deal with the main character in a, in a lady. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's, it's it, you know, talk about flat and lifeless Duncan. Oh no. It is just a bunch of who gives a, a fucking shit about any of this. And, 
it, like at a certain point, like the, you know, slight spoilers for the shed, but the Dahmer character, you know, is gone at a certain point in the film. And the one character that had an actor behind it that seemed to be capable of of showing some emotional range is gone. And the the actors that remain, God bless them, they're definitely trying. But again, we're not awarding points for effort here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I still had to watch this fucking movie. And it's poorly written and poorly acted. And the big villain is Frank Whaley. You know, and that ain't oh. doing nothing for you. Um, it's, it's just not very good. It's just, it, it feels like a cheap B movie that reminds me of a bunch of other better movies. Yeah. And, and, and again, like I, I give it to shutter for picking up a movie that, you know, again, there are, there are a lot of people t- telling you how good the shed is and mm-hmm. you might see it and disagree with me entirely and be like, well, well they made the most of their budget. I'm like, well, fine, I guess, you know, you had 20 bucks. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so it was just real disappointing. It was, it was, it was, I was going to watch that or the pale door. And I was at the end of it. I was like, man, I really wish I had watched the pale door. Yeah. The pale, the pale door has, I mean, the pale door has at least like a couple of things that I think are quite interesting. Um, this, this one that you're describing to me, I will watch it. I will get to it. Cause I'm trying to make the best of that shutter subscription at the moment. Um, so I will get around to it, but you know, like, I'm just so weary just now. I, I really am. Like, I, I don't think, I, I think some people sometimes think I'm a bit snobby <laughs> like with my movies, but I just, like, there's a standard. Like, I just, I have a standard, right? And if movies can't get to that standard, then my interest in them is is a bit dented. You know what I mean? I, I can forgive older movies because, like, different time and all the rest. But nowadays, everyone has access to, you know, decent enough technology which will allow you to make a movie. Um, and I think that's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's right. just making movies. I know what they see. Any filmmaker will say, do you want to make a movie? Then just go and make a movie. And on paper, I think that's right. That doesn't mean Shudder should acquire them. Well, all right. But here's the thing. You, you, you talk about a low-budget film. Mm-hmm. And the shed is certainly low budget. Like the one location is the shed. Um, it's slightly better than that, but not much. Um, mm-hmm. But you see that, and then you see something like one cut of the dead that was made for a buck and a quarter too. Mm-hmm. But it just it like overflows with creativity and imagination and that kind of thing. And and maybe that's the extreme example because it is such a, a wonderful little gem, but. You know, there are plenty of low budget movies that you and I both love. Oh yeah. And and The Body. The Body is about as micro budget a movie yeah. will ever be and that movie delivers in speeds. Yes. In, uh, 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 more than over in fact that movie to see overperforms is a fucking understatement. So. Right. Yeah, it made it, uh, Duncan after watching that movie I was like I I believe I can love a zombie movie again you know Yeah yeah and, and so like there's a way that you can take a, a small budget and not just use it to your advantage but but uh, to make it feel like it's not an issue that the the movie yeah. is just so undeniably good that the characters are so undeniably good um and and there are good actors out there for for cheap 
but I think, you know, maybe, maybe setting it in high school, high school age kids that you're, you're kind of, you know, minimizing your pool of actors to some degree. Yeah. Uh, but at, at any rate, whatever, whatever the cause, again, we're, we're not here to, to award points for what happened behind the camera. Yeah, like (laughs) we're we're here to say like, hey, Shutter, you you put up two movies that look like they were probably fun to make, and the and the filmmakers probably had great intentions, but the end product is uh, poopy. Is yeah, uh, yeah, compared to yeah, compared to some of what they have been putting out, which has been of a relatively good standard to high standard. So man, they brought uh, uh, tigers are not afraid. Yeah, uh, I to mean the U.S. and I mean, look, boom. you earn a lot of goodwill for something like that. That's of course, of um, course. I mean, that's like, I, I, I mean, that's the, I mean, I mean, that's the dichotomy, isn't it? Uh, of, of being in a position where you are, you are that kind of, you are the dedicated horror streaming service, and that's a niche you built for yourself. And I understand you have to try and tick a lot of boxes there, but I think there's sometimes. Because you're a streaming service, there's that we need content, we need content, we need content, and I I totally get that. But I also think you need content as brilliant, but you also need quality control, um, because um, believe it or not, I, like if if I check out your service, you put up four new films, and oh, one of those films is really good, and the other ones not so much. I'm not going to rush to that service the following month when you put up four movies, um, I'm probably going to start somewhere else and eventually get to it. And I went through that whole thing of just kind of Shudder was just there because it had put up some stuff that I didn't really like. But, you know, it is, it, it, I don't know, the, the sheer volume of what they're putting out now is daunting. And as a result of that, I think we're getting some stuff that maybe isn't worthy of the service. Yeah, but I mean... I, I think that's true everywhere. And like I said, there is a contingent and a vocal one who who will tell you that The Shed is a great movie. Uh, I think it's at like four stars on their service. Uh, but, right. So, you know, it ain't for me, Duncan. But yeah. but somebody likes The Shed. It's seldom. That, the thing is, though, I, I know that it's seldom that we like completely disagree on a movie <laughs> like you're to that point where you're like that this is not a good movie and i'm like this is a great movie i can't i could maybe count on one hand how many movies like that actually right. exist so. and, and and they're probably films that are inherently somewhat divisive yes yeah. oh yes yeah so, from, the, from the onset they, they play specifically to an idea or an audience which is acclimated to that and um, right. so uh, and those that aren't just don't don't like it at all. So yeah. So okay. Enough um, of the negative, know. Duncan. Let's. Yeah. Let's... Sure, that is still a good service, though. You should oh, sure. support it. Yeah, you should uh, support it if you're out there. It's cheap for what you get. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. If you're a horror fan, it, it the the back catalog is fantastic. And again, a lot of the original content and a lot of their acquisitions, you know, they're probably they're probably batting about five hundred as far as like truly good stuff. Yeah. But that ain't a bad average. You know that'll, no, no, no. that'll get you in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, and there's there's documentaries. They did that hor- uh, that horror noir, which I mean, I, I think is a great documentary. Mm-hmm. Once I, I I had my complaints about the film selection, but the documentary itself is absolutely fascinating. And the fact that they're raising that sort of stuff, yeah. you know, giving you the the, the kind of cheesy, schlocky stuff, but also at the same time giving you things with real credibility and real merit, um, I think speaks to the service. So sure. yeah, as uh, a uh, scream queen. The, oh yeah, which mm-hmm. is a fantastic documentary that you know I, I 
it's one of those things that when I think about like what is the best horror movie I've seen this year so far, uh, that comes up for me. Yeah. But it's like, eh, it's not really horror, but it's, you know, it, it's certainly about the horror community in a lot of ways. And mm-hmm. anyway, it's fantastic. And, and that's a Shutter exclusive as well, I believe. So, uh, there you, go. you know, it, you can do a lot worse. But uh, yeah, but again, uh, some some happy. I want to end on uh, the sunny side of the street, Duncan. <laughs> Don't we all? Don't I, we all? I'd like um, to believe so. Uh, yeah, so in terms of the good... It uh, has been quite a while since we spoke, and I feel that off the back of speaking about Jeremy Gardner, it's probably worth saying that uh, I got the opportunity in the interim, in our absence, to speak to the man. I did an interview with him off the back of Arrow video in the UK releasing after midnight on Blurry. So given it its UK debut, so to speak, which comes in a great package along with the battery. So, because that's what Arrow does. Arrow's like, you like this tasty treat? Have another one. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that movie's real fucking good. Like God really, really, really is. good. I'm just I've come to that I've I've come to the conclusion that Jeremy Gardner just is not only a, a really great actor, like really, really, really great, but I think he writes people like so true to form that it's you just get lost in believing that the things happening to real people. I think he just writes very organically about circumstances that people go through that you can relate to very easy, whether it's isolation or, you know, the breakdown, the toxic breakdown of a relationship. Um, And then when you watch that movie, which once again is not made for a lot of money, stressing that here, (laughs) like it really isn't made for a lot of money at all, but has powerhouse performances, has a great concept. Um, A couple of moments that made the ending made me, like clap my hands and laugh with glee. Um, it's a, it's a fucking brilliant movie. It's up there. It, it mm-hmm. certainly is up there for the year for me. Um, and if you haven't seen it yet, do yourself a favor and like I either get the Arrow Blu-ray, which is pennies for what you're getting. It's like fifteen quid, and you're getting both those movies on Blu-ray. Which and you know, I mean, that to me is the you know is it's fucking awesome. Um. But also, like giving him a bit of money will will benefit him in terms of his career. He really needs that. I don't want to have to wait another five years because he can't get a project off the ground. So support him. Give him. Give him your. Give him your money. Give him your support. And that did for me is not made a bad movie. Uh, the battery's great. Tex Montana will survive is great. And that was made for fucking nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just him in the woods, just killing time. Um, and now after midnight, uh, he's a he's a he's a gem and. A phenomenal actor to boot, so really, really, really enjoyed that. I think it's, I think it's kind of, it's something kind of special and completely different from other things I've seen this year. Yeah, I, I again, I couldn't agree more uh, about everything. I have, I have PayPal'd Jeremy Gardner directly uh, uh, when I saw him on Twitter being like, "Man, I need, I need, some, I need some cash right now," and yeah. after midnight ain't ain't, ain't taking off. Uh, and, and was selling like signed Blu-ray copies of Tex Montana. And I was just like, this is a fucking national tragedy. This man should never be in this position. And he still, he still works. He's one of those ones where like the misconception I think we have, um, if your film is out there and it's received well, uh, then you know, you're, you're rich. And that's not the truth. He still, I think he still works as, and I think he still works in the service industry. 
So, you know, th- this dude ain't like, like, you know, just a filmmaker now. He's still having to supplement that from, from, from doing other jobs. And I see his work and it is infinitely better than a lot of stuff produced by people who just do this for a living now. And it's, it's, it's to me for shame. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. it's the, it's the epitome of why life is not fair. Like that to me is the the very definition of why life is not fair. Jeremy Gardner should just be you, people should be giving him money to make movies. Like, and there shouldn't be an argument about that. People should just be doing it. Yeah, because all right, the battery, as we have discussed, just reinvigorated uh, my appreciation for zombie movies and what you can do with one. And 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 that whole sequence in the car and all that stuff is just so fucking good. And then after Midnight comes along and it's like, oh, you can see where he's kind of matured as a director and is more confident with, with certain aspects of this and, and the visual storytelling uh, component and is still very funny and, and it feels fresh. And it's one of those things where it's like, oh, this is one of the best like romantic horror films, as weird as that sounds, but... It, it's one of the best love stories I've ever seen in a horror movie. And like I said, the the guy should be, like, there should be monuments to like what he has done with independent films and not, uh, not, not, you know, feeling like we're wasting this guy's talent by not supporting it. So yeah, if you got the money, I mean, like I'll, I'll just baldly beg you. Please buy Jeremy Gardner's shit. Let him make more movies. If only because it makes Duncan and I happy. You don't even have to give a shit about Jeremy Gardner or his movies. If you care about us as people, buy his stuff so Jeremy Gardner can make more movies that we love. Um, Yeah, that's a, it is a real shame, man. But God damn that After Midnight's a good movie. Anyway, I, I just, I just want to cry now. That Jeremy Gardner is it, like he might be putting on a mask and getting ready to wait tables today. Yeah, some I mean, shit. Yeah, make us happy. Make make him make more, which makes us happy, and we then do more, and then it's it's a circle of life. <laughs> yeah, no, it was good. I, I mean, <laughs> I wasn't gonna go with you, but I thought it was good. <laughs> Uh, all right, so here's here's my good. And speaking of uh, like wonderful and charming and weird, ooh, I love all those things. Uh, we we haven't talked since I saw Extraordinary. Oh yeah, yeah. So I saw this. At, but I'm I'm glad that this is now finding an audience. No, I think it's just been released, doesn't it? Or yeah, recently it, been released because it came out in the UK ages ago. So right, so it's just now kind of making its way to like us VOD and stuff like that. And, uh, what a, an adorably weird movie. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a big ball of weird fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's a will Forte is a great villain, uh, in this movie, uh, where he is, um, the, the whole premise is that there is a lady who has the ability to, uh, see ghosts and communicate with them. And, uh, she doesn't do it anymore because of her, uh, father, uh, being murdered by her mistake. <laughs> and so, uh, it, 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 it's her being kind of drawn back into this world of the paranormal when, uh, this, the single father's, 
daughter kind of encourages him to get rid of, of the ghost of their mother that mm-hmm. is haunting the house. And then one thing leads to another because Will Forte is trying to do some shenanigans and uh, and bring about uh, the apocalypse, and they kind of uh, run afoul of that and 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 are forced to to you know stop uh, the villain. But in, along the way, it's this kind of sweet little love story between these two kind of middle-aged frumpy people. Uh, it, but it's really charming and wonderful and, and the weirdness of the movie can't be overstated, but it's not like a Tim Burton in your face kind of weirdness. Mm-hmm. It's just a number of little touches. Um, like when they first, uh, the, the moment I think I fell in love with the movie Duncan is at the beginning when they're doing the opening narration and it's like the, the main character's father describing, the world of the weird sort of, and like how the paranormal, it it like affects us every day and we just don't notice it. Mm -hmm. And, um, and the narration is something like they, uh, ghosts will often inhabit foods. Cheese, for example, is the most easily possessed of all the food items (laughs) and they kind of move on and it doesn't matter. And it's a total throwaway and it's just a gag. But the idea that cheese is somehow more possessable as a food than, say, a pot roast just really made me laugh. And it's that kind of sense of humor throughout the film. Mm -hmm. And uh, like I said, Will Forte is a a, a scream in it. Um, There is another little touch that I love where the ghosts are represented by just sheets with eyeballs cut out, you know, like classic car, like comic strip ghosts, but Mm -hmm. all the ghosts look like that. And then, you know, this is kind of spoilery and I apologize, but it, it just goes to the charm of the film that there at at the end of the movie, there's like a giant supernatural force, which is just a bigger ghost in a sheet. And that was, again, one of those points where I'm like, this is fucking adorable. Like, <laughs> like I know I'm watching a, a, an apocalyptic third act of a film, but it's just so sweet and charming. And there's a guy trying to deliver Chinese food at the same time. And I love all of this. And yeah, I thought it was a very, very, uh, a very sweet movie, a very funny movie. And, and one of those that only comes along every so often that's just like such a crowd pleaser in a very specific way. Yeah. You know, uh, it's not for everybody. There's going to be plenty of people that watch it and they're like, this is fucking stupid. (laughs) And I get that. But also how, Oh, it breaks my heart that you can't feel the joy of something like an extraordinary <laughs> where it's just like, yes, this is incredibly silly, but it, it it's sort of wonderful at how silly it is and how seriously the characters take it all. You know? Yeah. I think that's the, the, that's the bit that works for me. The best is it has that kind of very dry straight down the middle British sort of sensibility to delivering at times absurdist comedy. Mm-hmm. Like if it was played too, too campy and too slapsticky, then you know, I think the jokes wouldn't last as long as they do, but I think the fact that everyone is playing it relatively straight, I think, is what what kind of makes it all pull together. Uh, it makes it rewatchable. I've seen it since. So I watched it 
end of last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think it was about February time I uh, checked out again. Just to, you know, I, would, I think I can't even remember what I was doing, but um, put on because every now and again I like a bit of levity in my life. Bro. And, hey, uh, you don't have I to apologize it. for watching <laughs> Extraordinary, sir. Yeah, I laughed at it just as much the second time. So uh, I was going to ask, uh, not that I want to take us on any tangents at all, um, because I know we have two episodes of a TV show to discuss, mm-hmm. but I had seen on the old letterbox uh, for you a while ago, but I don't think we ever caught up on it, uh, that you watched um, that that hoarder horror comedy. Yeah, yeah, what I did didn't you watch think? that. I thought, it, I thought it was fine. I thought it was, like, right. it, I thought it was amusing. Um, I, I it just didn't blow my myself, socks off. I about pissed myself watching it. Like there was too many, too many bits where, like, I like, not that I watch a lot of reality TV, but I'm aware of it. And when they started linking into the absurdity of that, I there was certain bits I just like I couldn't, I couldn't keep it together. But um, I was, I I should give it another chance because while I watched it, I was in the in the midst of being mugged. And I think that might have colored my opinion of the film. Where I was like, this could be pretty funny, but this guy has got a gun on me right now. And that's really drawing a lot of my attention away. You know how it goes, Duncan. Life in the oh, city. Yeah. yeah, in America. Living yeah. in America. I'm sure that's what that song's about. Getting mugged while watching hoarders. <laughs> my atm card (laughs) yeah james brown getting mugged right off the bat oh yeah we haven't even james brown called it for help 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 me um hey brown is singing some funky music no he's not he's been he's been mugged (laughs) <laughs> so it's unfortunately that the bane of having uh, a signature sound which also sounds like someone crying for help that's true <laughs> it's the reason he keeps throwing off the cave he's like I'm not getting mugged <laughs> <laughs> love cocaine ha! Oh man, it's only a matter of time before they start playing James Brown songs and Lovecraft Country Bowl. Let's all right, so let's get Segway, this Segway. <laughs> well done, professional. Uh, let's get this started mm-hmm. and and start with episode one, which is entitled "Sundown." Mm-hmm. Uh, not the Gordon Lightfoot song, sadly, <laughs> uh, or the Elwood cover later. Oh, uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. So uh, we open on a battlefield yeah. in black and white, Duncan. Yes. And it's like, shit, we got us a war show. And then uh, we see some explosions mm-hmm. uh, and they're in color. And it, it, yes. it's uh, uh, like a, a black platoon fighting in, in Korea, seems like, in the trenches. Yes, Bombs sir. are flying over. The uh, the narration is happening at the same time, which is like this old... I, I didn't look up where the narration comes from, but mm-hmm. it's like, this is a story of a boy and a story that's truly American. And as this is happening, the camera kind of pans up and we see the full battlefield where Martian walkers firing death rays... <laughs> 
at the soldiers are are getting blowed up while flying saucers shoot down American planes. Yeah. And then a Lovecraftian tentacle winged beast flies overhead, and that is the exact point I took a picture of my screen and sent it to Bo saying, "What the fuck? <laughs> this is one minute and what the fuck am I yeah. watching?" It's and it gets fucking bolder. Yes. Because yeah. as our hero, who we will learn uh, is Atticus Freeman, is, is his name. Love uh, the name. Yeah, of course. And he looks up as out of one of the alien saucers comes what one presumes is a princess of Mars. Yeah, she's a red-skinned woman, Bo. Mm-hmm. A and, hot red-skinned woman. Take yeah. Mars. And, and Mars needs Bo, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> get it? Get your I, I like to think that's why you have to get your ass to Mars in Total Recall. Get your <laughs> right. ass to Mars. Get your ass to Mars. Get your ass to Mars. Get your ass to Mars. Hey, yes, I will go. <laughs> get your ass to Mars to get some ass. <laughs> Dear. I didn't realize Arnie was making an appearance. Uh, that's the. That's my old face. It's also how Arnie eats a steak because it's chewy. Doesn't like a chewy steak. No, I want it to steak. melt in your mouth. Like, like a, a nice <laughs> Like when I I punch my llama popcorn right in the face sometimes, just because it looks at me kind of cross. <laughs> I'm like, back off, popcorn. <laughs> this is my steak. Get your own. Which you can't do because you don't have thumbs or know how to use fire because you're stupid. <laughs> we took that joke for for a walk, Bo. I like that. <laughs> that is... <laughs> that's the secret of steak, Duncan. To drive your llamas before you. <laughs> They hear the lamentations of the llama women. <laughs> oh, dear. So, so anyway, the Princess of oh. Mars comes down. Of and, does. <laughs> and she gives Atticus a big hug, which is nice. Mm-hmm. And then Cthulhu, Duncan, <laughs> yeah, just, just, just rises behind them. He's like, hey, everyone, remember me? Yeah. Hey, y'all, it's Cthulhu. <laughs> Cthulhu in the house. <laughs> I thought since it was called Lovecraft Country, I'd come right at the very beginning. I love the fact that we've given, <laughs> we've given Cthulhu uh, the Tiger King's voice. <laughs> Which I'm here, motherfucker. <laughs> I have yet to see. Oh my! I watched half yourself. an episode and I was oh. like, "This is depressing me to no end." I oh can't no! Watch you this. need you need to watch it all. You need to get through it all because there's a there's a <laughs> there's a turning point where you're like that. These are real people. I said that I know you got depressed because you're like, "This is a real thing," right? right? These there, are real people. A, yeah, there's a turning point where that depression turns into absurdist joy. I like just like the the levels of. <laughs> How safe, how safe these park is and all the rest. And they fucking tiger <laughs> fucking bites his leg. He has to beat off with a stick. All right, yeah. Shouting cut at the camera. 
Hey, now I'm in. All right, that sounds. I, I, I'm I'm happy that you're so delighted. That's what's making me excited about this. Oh yes, Cthulhu appears enemy. Speaking about the Tiger King. Yeah, and right <laughs> as he's about to descend on our our hero and yep. the Princess of Mars, he explodes in green goo. Yes, because Jackie Robinson. <laughs> yeah, is, is also in the house. The first he, black he, baseball player. He's brought his stick with him, Bo. Uh Yeah, has brought his bat and has, has clobbered Cthulhu. And half. Uh-huh. Yep. And, and, and then he looks at Atticus and kind of winks at him and says, like, I got you, kid. And yeah. then Cthulhu then reforms behind him like, I'm not done, y'all. And yeah, he reforms like the the T one thousand, like just like pieces himself right back together. Voltron's back up. Yeah, and then Jackie Robinson like just like goes to swing again, and we hear the crack of the bat, and then Atticus wakes up. It has all been a dream, Duncan. A wonderful mad dream. Yes, and uh, he's in a bus on his way out of the South. There's a great moment where he flips off the the Kentucky sign. Yeah, <laughs> as he leaves the South and life could be a dream place, and uh, he has a little chat with a uh, another passenger, the only other black passenger. So they're in the back at of the, the bus. Yeah, at the back of the bus. There's a great line as well of they've just passed over uh, a bridge named after another. <laughs> it's essentially another Confederate hero, quote yeah. unquote. Um, so, uh, but yeah, like. Um, I, truth be told, I have I have read half the book of uh, Lovecraft Country. I never went back to finish it, so my my plan is to to work my way through it, um, like relatively relatively soon uh, before I'm finished the TV show. Either that or finish the TV show, then go back through and do the book. Hmm. And this is a variation on the beginning of the book here. I've changed it slightly, and one of those ones where I was like, because I know how the book begins, and I've seen this scene. Um, I was like, "All oh, right, we, we're going in a, sl- we're keeping it grounded a bit, but we're we're doing our own taking it like right from there." So I don't know how much the rest of the show is in line with it for those that are interested, because we will get questions. Because I believe it was a popular book, popular enough that it's been you know adapted by HBO. Um, but yeah, like straight away, um, like like you give me all that, you give me. Give me the introduction of a character and the best possible. Is there a better introduction to a character in living memory? Because <laughs> like, like, he doesn't do much. He just runs over a hill and sees like a scene for like that, that scene of like the spaceships and all the colors and lights and the Martian women is basically what I see when I ejaculate. Um, <laughs> it's like, like condensed into like three seconds. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's maybe the greatest introduction to like a quiet character I think I've ever seen. Yeah, it's amazing. And mm-hmm. and and for the show too just to be again to put its big Lovecraft dick on the table. <laughs> big big veiny tentacly dick right yeah. on the table. And just be like, look, I, the thing about this show that is proven over and over is that it knows that the material that it is portraying mm-hmm. is pulp material. Yes, and it doesn't hide from it. It doesn't. Yeah. It, it doesn't try to put on airs or anything. Like in addition to actually being a really, really good show about you know sort of racism in America. Yeah, uh, it is like that part of it is expertly done. 
but it's also an occasionally silly pulpy show yeah that doesn't forget the roots and and that's kind of as, as we'll see that's what makes this uh both the character of Atticus so important because it, uh, he grounds it so well yes um but also we see that he has this love of of pulp fiction and uh, you know not the movie obviously but the yeah. <laughs> the the concept the idea and he says it himself like I love pulp stories yes and and so he's and, all right, so the bus breaks down, uh, and of course, uh, all the white people get picked up by a truck, and uh, Atticus and his the the black lady that was on the bus with him are just like, well, I guess we're walking. Yeah, <laughs> and you get that you get that conversation between the two of them specifically about the books that he reads. Oh, um, I love it. And to me, this is that like if you're a like if you're a like a fan of good literature, this this um, this show is is. I mean, it's like a it's like an Amazon wish list. The things that you should probably read if you if you really want to get into the the genre before the genre that you knew uh, or you know, um, and that it references so much stuff that are just literally tomes you know i mean that you have to you should have read like any self-respecting person should have read stuff by dumas and stuff um but yeah like when he's describing the idea of the 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 hero of a book being essentially he describes it as john carter of mars which like me and bo have a a storied past with is that Mm. safe to say yeah i think Uh, that's correct yeah (laughs) uh, mostly mostly because of the the poor casting of that movie (laughs) Right, he's he's again the Channing Tatum we don't like. Yeah, uh, so the fact that was mentioned made me giggle. Um, but yeah, the fact that like John Carter himself as a character is like a former Union soldier um, and stuff, and like the the idea from the the kind of older woman of well, you know, that's not a hero that you should be reading. Uh, with your heritage, your history, and just the, the world that we live in right now, you shouldn't be reading stuff like it, that. And if I may, Duncan, the, yes? the exact line she has is when he says uh, he was a former, like, uh, Virginia general or whatever. Yeah. And, and she goes, Confederate soldier? And he goes, well, ex-Confederate soldier. And she says, honey, when you're fighting for slavery, you don't get to put an X in front of that. That's right. Oh, it's, it's good. And, it's a great but, line. But but he counters, and you know, to steal the point you're making because you're the smart one. Um, but, but what he's saying is like, yeah, but you, yes, there are definitely flaws in the character of the person who wrote this book, and even in the material itself, it it glosses over, you know, the fact that John Carter was a Confederate general. Mm-hmm. But he's like, you know, I I love these books. And I like them flaws and all. And she's like, but there are, are flaws. And he's like, yes, there are. And and it's that that idea of we are acknowledging that some of this is problematic, that this is written by a, an individual and at a time when this sort of behavior was the norm. Yes. And and it gets later, there's the James Baldwin uh, monologue oh, yeah. <laughs> about, about how we create our own reality and how the reality of... Somebody like uh, is it Edgar Rice Burroughs who did John Carter. That's or, correct. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, a Princess of Mars is a book, right? Um, yeah. So it, you know, for him, the idea of a Confederate ge- general being a hero 
just it never occurs to him that it might be an issue because yeah. that is his reality and that's the reality that James Baldwin speaks to and the reality that Atticus is discussing in, in a roundabout way here where, mm-hmm. yeah, you, you kind of acknowledge that like very specifically in a minute, we're going to talk about Lovecraft being a, a terrible racist, but also yeah. <laughs> also Uncle George 100% reads H.P. Lovecraft yeah. while acknowledging and- that. You know? Yeah, the the conflict it causes within uh, Atticus's upbringing specifically as well, which, and I mean, and this is a thing that I think we're going to lean into again. Again, you were talking about specific monologues. This show is the first one I've seen, maybe ever, which definitely uses not only music, both of the era and beyond mm-hmm. the, the the time frame as well as specific historical monologues or specific historical um, dialogues of importance from, from you know, uh, black men of, of uh, significance or importance, just interspersed as background to what is happening on the screen in a way which blew my fucking mind. Yeah. Like, it shouldn't work. It should be off-putting and distracting, but it doesn't, if anything, it elevates mm-hmm. the subject matter. And I, like, I, I, I sat, like, to see I sat just being, like, repeatedly impressed would be an understatement. Um, and we are going to get to it. He's heading to Chicago, though. He's heading home to Chicago because we find that his dad has disappeared under, shall we say, Bo, mysterious circumstances? Yeah. And again, this is the pulpiness of the story where it's like, oh, he's going home because his father has gone missing. Yeah, he might as well be playing some kind of, why, well, certainly, well, like, yeah. I walked into the town. It was, you know, is, is that sort of kind of, is the, the kind of, there's a bit of noir in there as well, which, like me, I'm all in. You, you once again, you're just, it's just a, it's just a, a three course meal that every course that's been delivered is just better than the previous one and also right to exactly what I want right there and then it's just it's hitting all those sensory things for me that just equate to a great experience yeah so when we get to Chicago like we get a big Chicago on the screen uh, yes and we meet Uncle George (laughs) he's brilliant uh played by Courtney B Vance just in bed completely about to fuck his wife oh yeah his fingers are getting busy and (laughs) And let me say, there has been a request Uh-oh. that uh, Courtney B. Vance's character, Uncle George, be played by recurring favorite, ah. Wilford Brimley. Pinhead. Oh, no, Wilford Brimley. All right. <laughs> no. <laughs> Didn't know where we were going with that. Uh, uh, okay, then. I will I will remove myself from the audio booth. Uh, okay. <laughs> I may return later. <laughs> Just come back in a little bit, goddammit. Uh, but yeah, it's, so, a, it's a great casting choice. I mean, he does have a mustache. He sense. he does. And so Uncle George is just like, it's been a while since we fucked in the light of day, goddammit. So <laughs> how about you shimmy up at nightgown? Let's get to business. And and his wife is just like, hey, look, our daughter, it, there are thin walls. We're going to have to be goddamn quiet then. And... <laughs> It's it's good like it's a good like middle middle age to early old age people fucking scene where you're yeah. like they're about to get it on and I kind of want to watch. It's super sweet like uh, like the, the the Uncle George um, character. There's something I don't know. It's really touching for me. Like 
about that idea of like just this couple who are so incredibly in love um and like will be like forever if you yeah. know what i mean i, I yeah. just I, I really once again just like the chemistry on the screen and all the rest it just it works i love this scene of the scene but yeah if they had like if the sheets had been removed and this went softcore porny or even hardcore porny bro i would have watched the whole thing i would have watched those flabby bodies slapping together <laughs> As it, just eating Cheetos and enjoying every frame of it. <laughs> yeah. But, but before uh, before CBV can conjugate the verb, uh, his daughter D is downstairs, and in <laughs> he came in through the kitchen window. Um, <laughs> yeah. Atticus, D is downstairs while uh, George Freeman is giving his wife the D. Uh, no shit. D upstairs and downstairs, bo. I get it. I get it. And uh, but Atticus has showed up at the window and is like, you know, let me in, let me in, D. <laughs> get out of here, Ralphie. Uh, but no, she she lets him in, which means now uh, he can come and go as he pleases. Yep. Um, but <laughs> but like everybody comes downstairs and. Uh, it's they Atticus is their their nephew. It turns out that Uncle George is truly his uncle, uh, mm-hmm. as the name Uncle George would imply. <laughs> and it's a, it's weird he was born that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, everybody hugs, and it's clear like oh, it, a, everybody's happy to see Atticus. It's been years since he's been home. Mm-hmm. And a little bit later, Atticus goes to find Uncle George at uh, the travel center he runs. And Uncle George's job is essentially traveling around the country and writing guide, writing and selling guidebooks and making arrangements for travel for black travelers. Yeah. And and the, go ahead. I was going to say, it's kind of, in a lot of respects, uh, I mean, a lot of people will now be aware of what the Green Book is after it won the Oscar. Um, But it's like a kind of, it's like a revised version of the Green Book, essentially. Yes. Uh, that he's he's doing um and uh that, that's kind of his job which i would argue is i mean a very worthwhile job but at the same time that that'll age you horribly bo well and later on we learn that he's had both of his kneecaps busted on different occasions yeah just different occasions like, like it's almost as if the racist knew that one was busted before so let's just go for the other one yeah yeah, and yeah. right, like it's a, it, it's one of those things. And HBO series have done this a couple of times now. Like Watchmen did a thing uh, like this, where it's like, "Hey, remember this horrifying part of American history?" And people are like, "That can't be real." And then you <laughs> Google it once, and you're like, "Holy shit, that was all real! God damn it!" Uh, yeah, and it's and, like the terror. It was the terror season too, which like like blatantly, and, and, and <laughs> while people were looking at like. The, the horrible atrocities that the American government were doing at the border right now, saying, you know, never has there been a time, unprecedented levels and all the rest of the terror was like, well, let's not forget this. Remember internment camps? Do you remember that, people? We did that. Right. Um, Do you not follow you George Decay on Twitter? Yeah. Talks about it's all like, the goddamn time. Yeah, like, literally just, like, a mirror up um, in front of you to watch. And it is, I think, to be honest, I think it... I'm not going to a massive tangent here. HBO are... There's something that's happened to HBO recently, right? Where they have just like doubled down in that they are now just going to be the standard bearers of like really great quality TV, and I know they always were, but they did put out some shit balls. <laughs> like, there was a time period where there was a lot of shit that came out post Sopranos, 
And um, just recently, I don't know what it's the last couple of years, they're just like, yeah, we're just going to... Are we just going to be the, 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 you know, the, the company that just, like, raises the quality here? Are we? Can we agree on that? H- everyone's agreeing, right? HBO just do that now. And it has been. It's been consecutive wins for me um, across the board with everything they're doing, whether it's documentaries, com- they were always great at documentaries, um, comedy, and, and these sort of weird niche TV shows, which they just do. Uh, in a lot of respects, I came away from, like, my wife asked me what I thought of the first two episodes, and it's a terrible comparison, but it kind of is weirdly an app comparison in that the first thing that I felt having watched this was this is a, like a period piece um, and much more um, much more um, at times aware of what it is piece of work than something like True Blood, but I did get the kind of True Blood vibe off it, even though it's pitched completely differently. Yeah. You know you know where I'm coming from? Where I, it's just yeah. like, we're just going to handle this and it's just going to be set in a place and we're just going to accept that racism is a real thing and homophobia is a real thing. And it's just going to be ingrained and it's just going to be part of the story and we're not going to make a big deal about it being a part of the story. It's just present because that's how it is in the world. It's just present. And I, I like that. I like that because it is a specific TMPD, but no one's like pointing like the, look, racism here, racism here all the way through it. It's just, this is the time period. So this, you just need to get down with the fact that that's the crux of what's going to be happening in this show. But they're never going to go out their way to signpost it. It's just part of the, you need to understand why certain people are acting certain ways because it's the time period. Right. I think there's, I think that's the best way to approach that subject matter. I think when you get too preachy with it, I think that's when people switch off. I think when you just accept that that's part of the time period you're setting uh, and the story that you're telling, and if that, by the way, scarily resembles where you are just now, it shows how far you've maybe not moved. Um, I think that's important. I think that's the best way to deal with um, tough subject matter. Uh, specifically historically tough subject matter is to just like represent on the screen as it is without feeling that you're making some sort of social justice point by doing it right none of the characters in this show ever say can you believe all this racism (laughs) it's it's just like they they talk about they talk about racism as just being the fact of their world yes and and the show is obviously very much about that experience and mm-hmm. and and you know like the show is not ever going to suggest that racism is good or anything yeah. but also it shows both the casual racism and the more pointed racism and and in fact i would say the most tense scene of this episode that we'll talk about isn't it doesn't have anything to do with the supernatural. It's just yes. it's just a racist moment. And and it's, you know, we're not the first to say it, but like the thrust of the show is like, yes, as horrifying as all these otherworldly monsters are, these characters are uniquely suited to deal with it because every moment of their lives is dealing with this existential horror. Yeah. So the cosmic shit is just on top of the other bullshit they're already dealing with. Yeah, and and, and, and and it's kind of wonderful in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, so, but back to what what the the actual guidebook scene, um, which is again, anytime you just put Atticus and Uncle George talk about books and stories and shit, I'm a hundred percent in. 
Yeah, it shouldn't be as exciting as it is in a TV show. If anything, that that like on paper should be the bit where the you know the the brakes are applied and everything comes to a screeching halt. Right. Um, but no, it's it's all integral to what we're we're doing in the show, and I think that once again is a huge testament to them that they can make literature is fun <laughs> like for, yeah. for those that read it really is i know it sometimes feels a bit boring in the world of netflix and all the rest but it really is and they capture that i think really well here and the love of like specifically in their conversation um that the idea that you know like we'll move on to the lovecraft scene which i think is a great case in point um but you know, the fact he lifts that you know the lovecraft book up uh, I can't remember what the name of it is. The Outsider. It's The Outsider, it. yeah. Yeah, lifts up The Outsider, and we specifically lean into a conversation straight away about the fact that Lovecraft is an extremely uh, problematic individual. To take away nothing from his writing, his his beliefs um, in, in certain racial supremacy of the time period were... Uh, not problematic, doesn't even do justice. He was a racist, yes. let's be honest. Right, and so, it- and they specifically reference an essay that he wrote that is very it, it, ab- absurdly and directly racist. Yeah. And that uh, Atticus's father made him memorize that particular passage when he caught Att- Atticus reading Lovecraft. Mm-hmm. And but there's also this kind of acknowledgement with uh, with Uncle George where he's like, "Yeah, horror was always my thing," and it's like. Like, Uncle George is the character that's like, oh, yeah, that's all true. Yeah. But also, I like the stories. And and that's kind of, I think, Atticus's point when he's talking to the woman when they're walking after the bus breaks down is, yeah. again, you acknowledge, you, you kind of wrestle with it, and then, and then love what you can about the stuff that you love about it. And we also find out, like, in fairly quick succession here, that Atticus and his dad did not get on. And as a kind of byproduct of that, Uncle George is kind of the guy that brought him up. And, right, a surrogate father, 100%. And that you can see the the ideas of that, uh, you know, appreciation for literature and that being able to disassociate the, the people that write the art or create the art from what their beliefs are to take art on face value um, is coming from his uncle. Uh, much to, as you can imagine, the, the general disappointment and fury of his father. Yeah. And his father, who has been missing, we learn about two weeks. And and Uncle George didn't really pay much attention because he was like, well, he's on a goddamn bed or you know how it gets. <laughs> and, and then Atticus says, I think I may know where to find him because he sent me this letter. Mm-hmm. And immediately, Uncle George is like, oh, do you say anything about your mom? Mm-hmm. Or me? And me and your mm-hmm. mom? And <laughs> and uh, go on. <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, he did." And uh, and Uncle George is like, "Well, goddamn it, you better tell me what it was." And <laughs> it's, it's getting hot over here. <laughs> yeah, it's a real <laughs> kind of moment. And then he's like, "Yeah, his tie, his right. tie off, stretches out the the braces a little bit." <laughs> <laughs> it's getting hot in here. It's just me, goddamn it! Really, <laughs> somebody turn on a fan. Um, but but it turns out that it was his father saying, "Hey, I've gone to Lovecraft Country," mm-hmm. uh, which made me stand up and applaud because we got the name uh, of the yep. show right in the first episode. And yeah, he um, 
Uh, he says that uh, there's all this mystery surrounding his mother's ancestry. Again, this is all super Lovecraft of like, oh, she's she's gone away to some uh, uh, or uh, the mother who is dead, but the father has gone to trace back her lineage to mm-hmm. some secret place in Massachusetts, and <laughs> Uncle George is just like, uh, well, uh, I guess you better go after him, goddammit. Mm-hmm. and. He, 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 we learned that uh, it's not Arkham that uh, the father has got to. It is Artem with a D. Yes. And so it's not exactly Lovecraft, but close enough, everybody. And then uh, George says, well, I'll, I'll look into all this ancient legacy bullshit. And so Atticus then rolls through the neighborhood as we get kind of our first piece of really anachronistic music. Where it's yes. very modern kind of hip hop, and it's it's very cool. But to your point about HBO, uh, I think one of one of the words that I would use to describe this slate of shows is they're just riskier, and they'll just yeah. do some shit that you don't normally see a television show do, mm-hmm. and that's what makes it so fresh and interesting. Um, as opposed to just, you know, aping what HBO does. That's what a lot of networks do now. Is like, what's HBO doing? Fucking that. Let's, yeah. We need to do that. Um, yeah, they, they seem to be kind of not in the fort. They they're, they're trendsetters as opposed to followers, and I really like that because I don't always think everything hits the like every. Not everything is designed or tailored for me, and I'm cool with that because when they do get it right, it's you know like um, I've still to watch the Watchmen, and I've been told like it's yeah, I'm going to love it, and I, mm-hmm. I from what I've seen. I know I'm going to love that show, but like when we talk about things like Westworld, like Westworld is, like, it's almost as if someone sat down and just pulled ideas from my brain and just put them. In. And I've still watching you season. I know because I've been doing all this two thousand yeah, yeah. fucking prep shit. I, I was thinking um, just this morning, like we need to do season three. Yeah, I, I, and we will trust yes. me, ladies. Yeah, it'll and happen. We'll do it, and it'll be fresh. And both of us will be sitting down to watch it for, you know, the first time and stuff. But it's. You know, there's there's so much that they are doing, which I think they just done. I think they just done something else recently, where it seems like a like an incredible idea for a TV show, which is and why is it escaping my brain? It's uh, by the team behind Westworld who are adapting something I can't remember. But uh, you know, what they're doing just now, I think, is really really interesting. And there's a bit of that which I think comes from a confidence. And the people that are behind the projects, because we have not only J.J. Uh, Abrams um, in here as well, but we have Jordan Peele. Like their two production companies, Bad Robot and Monkey Paw Productions, are behind this show. And I think when you have names like that, I think I don't know how much HBO is involved with the process of how these shows are being made, but it feels like they're given a lot of free will to do what they want their their artistic visions and I think that is paying off in spades for them I think it's like make it an hour yeah and 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 then and then they come back and they're like this one's like an hour ten yeah all right fine yeah that's that's close enough (laughs) yeah all right how is it it's really good all right let's see it fuck all right yeah all right hour ten it is (laughs) but I think you're right I think they're I'm sure that they have like a, a certain degree of creative control in the sense of like, hey, this has to meet a certain quality yeah. and so forth. But I think for the most part, yeah, like when you've got a Jordan Peele who did, you know, Get Out and Us, two of the biggest movies of the past decade. Yeah. Uh, that you're just like, uh, do whatever. 
Yeah, G.G. Abrams is going to mm-hmm. produce it. Then I'm, you know, uh, Fallout. I, 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 by the way, is what they're doing. Is the 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 Westworld guy show? They're doing a Fallout series from based yeah. On I the mean, game. come on, right, right. Give me that fifties I mean, doo-wop yes, music and yes, an apocalypse. Yep. <laughs> yeah, all of that. <laughs> give me that. Why? Why? Why is it taking this long to give me that? But right. you know, I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be like too pushy here because that is what I want. So yeah, I mean, it's this is the this this is what makes me excited. Um, and you know, like I said, I got halfway through the book. At no point did I ever think HBO TV show. And now I'm what like 25 minutes, 30 minutes in, and what that this was always going to be an HD, HBO yeah. TV show. Um, well, we're going to meet some more kind of new characters here. We get um, we get. Uh... So he, as he's rolling through the, the, the neighborhood, there's a guy, uh, an army recruiter in the neighborhood, which, which comes back later is the only reason I mention it. And then mm-hmm. he goes to this bar where he <laughs> runs into a dude who's like, Hey Tick, I haven't seen you in a long time. He's just like, Hey, where's the owner? Yeah. And it just shuts him down. He's like, God damn. All right. He's. Out back, getting a blow well, He does it. He, well, he doesn't say he's getting a blow. He says he's out back, and then there's a wry smile that comes over his face because he knows why he's out the back. Um, yeah. But our buddy Atticus doesn't. <laughs> yeah, he goes out back, and Sappy, I think, is the the name of the the terrible name. If you're getting a blow job, it really is. <laughs> eh, it could be worse. You know, <laughs> could be drippy. Ah, no, stingy, scabby. Easy. Uzi. Uzi is not good. No, it's not good. <laughs> so Uzi is getting a blowjob in the back. And as soon as Atticus uh, comes out, he's like, oh, oh, oh get, get the fuck out of here. Zips yeah. up real quick, turns around. And he's like, oh, Atticus, it's you. Yeah. And he's uh, he's like, yeah, I've, I've seen you pull your, your father this off. This is tools. a great line. Yeah, yeah it's a great nights, line. I, of course I recognize you. Yeah, he says, I've seen your, you pull your dad off enough stools, you know, to, to recognize you but come and mention it your dad hasn't been on any of my stills in a while yeah. um and you know so we so we were like that all oh, right so what this guy's got a bit of information lean into it basically pierce he might have been the last guy to see him and his dad disappeared with what he thought was a very well off white man he suspects maybe a lawyer because he was driving a very fancy silver car that seemed to travel at very incredible fast speeds which you would associate with money and why would any rich white man be talking to a black man unless he was a lawyer that's right. which i mean about that that to me is first degree deduction well done <laughs> yeah no just that just spot on well done holmes yeah <laughs> sappy knows what's up sappy holmes sappy holmes <laughs> is on the case indubitably and so <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> watson <laughs> yes sappy Yes, Sappy. So let me look, let me play my violin. <laughs> look, looking at this bar stool, what can you deduce, Watson? Uh, I don't know. Somebody was there. There were some peanuts on the counter. Elementary, Watson. <laughs> Stand back and let Sappy explain to you that the depressions on the seat indicate a heavyset individual. Sappy Holmes, <laughs> like get this. Was it a no? A Nora? Holmes or whatever that fucking strange things like girl was going to be doing uh, for her Netflix. Like I am the sister of Holmes. Fuck that. Give me sappy Holmes. Sappy Holmes who only investigates disappearances from bars and has to analyze 
<laughs> like where people have been or sat or removed from by the ass indentation on a stool. I yeah. want a whole show of that. HBO, give me that show, right? Yeah, you think you're brave? You put on <laughs> Sappy Holmes, now we're talking. Um, but now it's block party time, Duncan. I love a block party. And everybody's out having a good time. Uh, Letitia's sister, Letitia, who we'll get to in just a second, her sister's up on stage uh, singing. People are dancing, having a good time. And in into the show, fucking comes Letitia Lewis, mm-hmm. uh, as played by Jamie Smollett or Smollett. I'm not uh, precisely sure. Smollett, I think is how you pronounce it. All right, Smollett, um, who is maybe the breakout star of this show for me. Oh yeah, she is like like we'll get to her line later on, but she's one of my favorite <laughs> one of my favorite lines in, in the show, which I, like becomes a kind of catchphrase because it comes back in episode two, and I'm like, yes. But she's she's I mean, one is very difficult to describe like how attractive she actually is. She's like an, a, a wonderful like screen beauty, but two, she is the sass that we need. Yes. You know, she's the pip, she's the sass. We've got the old uncle. <laughs> We've got the kind of very sullen um, and, fair to say, a well-built uh, Atticus. Um, and they're the brains of this operation here, but we need the street smarts and the sass. And uh, Letitia is that character. Yeah. So Letty, as she is known to her friends, um, is winding just arrives at the block party just coming home to chicago yeah uh gets out of the cab her sister is on stage taking ruby. requests no, ruby right. ruby's up there and she's killing it by the way i'm like i'm a big fan of this sound music anyway so i'm like yeah. totally fucking in <laughs> she, ruby has a really funny line where she says um when she's taking requests she's like what you, y'all want to hear some of that white people radio stuff? <laughs> Life would be a dream. Shaboom, yeah. shabor. And it's really, it's people very that funny. that song already in the show, which uh-huh. I kind of like. Um, and then Letty is like, whole lot of shaking. And Ruby looks down, sees her sister is there for the first time. And she's like, oh shit, y'all, my sister's back. And then everybody convinces Letty to get on the stage and the and the women sing together. And it's really the first moment where when you see Jamie Smollett start to dance as the music yeah. plays and you're like, the fuck is this? Mm-hmm. I mean, like you said, not only is she, I mean, truly a beautiful woman, but also just like, oh man, she has got like a real energy to her that yeah. makes it impossible to look at anything but her when she's on the screen. Mm-hmm. And it's it's unfortunate to Courtney B. Vance, who has been an actor for decades and has turned in amazing work, but fuck you, Jamie Smollett is on the screen. <laughs> um, but anyway, they sing. It's amazing. Um, Atticus shows up, shows up as 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 they're singing and finds Uncle George. You know, I'm wearing my goddamn Shriner cap. We have a good time. <laughs> I like the little cars, goddammit. <laughs> Makes me feel like a giant. <laughs> so, 
Uh, <laughs> oh man! And, like, can we just take two seconds to say rest in peace, Wilford Brimley? Uh, we sadly yes. lost him during our absence, uh, but the memory will live on. Like, trust me, through about a million characters, and Duncan will come back. You know, it was one of those things when I heard the news. It was really sad. I mean, obviously, he lived a long life. He had a, an amazing life. He had a fucking incredible. He lived about ten people's lives. Yeah, like, seriously, the guy yeah. lived a, 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 an incredible life. So yes, it, it it's a tragedy that he is has gone. But my God, the work that he left behind, just the the icon that he was, mm-hmm. and our stupid impressions and whatnot are, you know, it truly it's a tribute. I I love Wilford Brimley. Unironically, he is one of the greatest American heroes. The yeah. guy was a bodyguard and a rodeo whatever, and just like like you said, lived. Lived a number of lifetimes. We should be half so lucky as yeah. as Wilfred Brimley. And plus, and, t- towards the end of his life, he just I, I just picture him just having a like a like a big plush cabin somewhere and just lived off the grid. And fuck you. And yeah. let's we can all aspire to end our days like that. Sure. Yeah. And and seemed like he was uh, he was kind of active on Twitter somewhat. Yeah. And <laughs> and was, was my mate. Yeah, and was kind of in this like up to the day he died, like the University of uh, of Tennessee, mm-hmm. uh, my my home state had was honoring him and and like hey we're gonna do this thing like the you know UT and Wilford Brimley and he was kind of pimping their merchandise and they were like mm-hmm. we love you and <laughs> and it was really wonderful and sweet and like literally up to the day he died. Yeah, he had this like energy and enthusiasm and positivity that we should all be again be, be so lucky and be so be so goddamn noble and 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 have the the strength and will to be able to say like even when I know the end is is coming, mm-hmm. I am still going to be a light. And, yeah, and, and that's what he did. So uh, yes, uh, rest in peace, rest in power, Duncan. Rest and um, power, Wilford Brimley. Um, but yeah, so after, (laughs) after the song, Letty and Ruby have a nice, uh, conversation where Letty is like, Hey, I need a place to crash. And Ruby's like two fucking days. You have two fucking days. And she's like, I can't get a job in two days. I like, I'm going to try to get a job downtown at one of the department stores. And Ruby's like, they are, you are black. Yeah, I have been trying to get said job for years now, and yeah. that has not happened. And yeah, it says like you can get a job on the north side, and she's like, "I'm not cleaning people's houses." Yeah. And like Letty is, uh, Letty will not take anybody's bullshit, yeah. which is the w- wonderful thing about Letty, and also what's gonna get her fucking hurt. But yeah, it's also like 100 what <laughs> um, you can see. It's a family trait because her sister ain't. Ain't taking no bullshit either, and like her sister is fucking brutal with her, and I love it. But there's also uh, we get a dropped fact here, which we'll play up later on um, in the episode that whilst Letty has been away, her mother has passed away, and Letty didn't come back to the funeral. Yeah, yeah, even yeah, and we'll get to it later. But yes, she was she was supposed to be there. Yes, and at, then we we cut over to Atticus and Uncle George uh, having a chat about his busted kneecaps uh yep. that we mentioned earlier <laughs> where he's me. just got ice on him and you know just like yeah well and, and they're kind of talking about uh his wife hippolyta is yeah. uh is his wife which is a great name 
It's fucking uh, amazing name. And he's like, you know, she wants to go on the road, but I, I just would be worried. And we, as we're going through over some maps, though, uh, we see that D, who is a bit of a comic artist, mm-hmm. um, is drawing monsters on all the maps, which I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> go on. Right. Like, I see where you're headed, Lovecraft Country, and I like it. I like it a lot. And anyway, George, <laughs> George says, uh, I found Artem, goddammit. Hadn't been mentioned in sentences in 200 goddamn years, but he's in Devon County, Massachusetts. And uh, Atticus is like, hey, you still have Woody? Who is an unsung character on this show and is also wonderful. And mm-hmm. Uncle George says, Woody is going to outlast all of us. <laughs> oh, God damn it. Yeah. And he's, <laughs> he's like, I know I know two things. Woody's going to outlive all of us, especially me. And t- <laughs> Sorry. And, <laughs> and two, I'm going with you, God damn it. And uh, Atticus is like, are you sure you want to do that? Look what D drew on mm. Artem. Yeah. And it's like this reaper with a clock and a sickle. And not ominous at all is what we're saying. Right. It's like a real, hey, there's death awaits you in Devon County. <laughs> and so Atticus fucks all for the night. And uh, as he does so, we see the silver sedan mm-hmm. uh, in the background, uh, keeping an mm-hmm. eye on him. And he goes to his father's house where we find the Count of Monte Cristo. You mentioned Dumas earlier. and uh, Yeah, which once again, like you drop you drop anything by Dumas and anything at all. And I get like very excited. And, <laughs> and look, the other thing that's clever, spoilers for the next episode, that's what's happening in the show. Is yes. He has become the Count of Monte Cristo. Mm-hmm. And uh, inside the book is a picture of uh, the family. And we see like, holy shit. Is Atticus's dad Omar from The Wire? And it is. And he's chalky white, and I, I literally like you. No one will ever know how excited I. I think he's maybe one of the best things in The Wire. Yes, um, like hands fucking down. <laughs> <laughs> the Wire is. Yes, The Wire is great for uh, any number of reasons, but Omar is one of the great American television characters. Oh, yeah, he's, he's, he's maybe up there as one of the MVPs of the show. And, um, yeah, so the fact that they've got him back in, I've seen him in loads, he's been in loads of things. And I don't is he? I don't, I don't want to like get my facts wrong on this one. I don't know if he's actually a rapper or not, who's made the transition over to acting, or if he was always an actor and is maybe... My- my understanding was he was living on the streets of, or not maybe not living on the streets, but he was from the streets of Baltimore. Right, right. So there we go. I'm, I'm obviously, I'm confused with something. Um, but yeah, he's he's, a, he's an incredible actor. He's been on loads now since the wire. He's rightly been given a lot of work. But yeah, the indication is here that that's the. Which, by the way, great casting. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like if you want to give me like a sullen father who wants to beat the imagination out of his child that's the guy that you get to play yeah, <laughs> the you, just good decision after good decision lovecraft country <laughs> well done yeah. well done for being so fucking great yeah uh, and, and, and while he's checking out uh his father's house and he's like fucking omar is my dad that is awesome <laughs> it's this revelation i've just found that right now uh, right i just learned uh <laughs> 
And there's, we see that there's a hole in the wall or like a place where the plaster is punched in. Yeah. Um, and it's just a little detail because this show is smart enough to be like, later on, we're going to talk about this. Oh, yes. And then Atticus calls a woman in South Korea and she says, he never says a word and she's like, Tick, is that you? Mm. And then she says, you went home. You shouldn't have. Yeah. And then end of conversation. It's, again, dro- dropping some hints that don't necessarily pay off here, uh, even in these episodes, but laying some groundwork for some stuff to come later that I'm very excited to get into. Mm-hmm. And uh, so then the next day, Atticus uh, is ready to hit the road with Uncle George, but finds Letty um, in wonderful early 60s attire. Yes. <laughs> One of those like form like hip hugging high waisted pants and stuff that you see Lucille Ball and shit in, mm-hmm. uh, and but oh my god, never looked like Jamie Smollett. No. <laughs> oh fuck, man this 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 movie like turned me re straight. <laughs> I was already there, and then it was just like fuck. I think I'm super straight. I think I might just be like Jamie Smollett sexual. <laughs> there's a, there's something about like for all the cringiness that comes with looking back over certain time periods and how it's interesting that like people look back over the pictures of the fashion scenes from bygone eras and go oh, look, look, look at what we wore and all the rest but there's something just universally great about the 50s and 60s in terms of women's fashion yeah. That really gets my motor running, boy. <laughs> yeah, I, it's weird. It gives me, gives me a Woody, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I do, yeah, I wasn't the only Woody in the scene. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that's right, and I think it's there's something about the fact there, like you're not showing a lot of skin or anything. No, no. But there's just something about the fashion that's just like ladies do have curves, don't they? That's it. it. It literally shows curves. It doesn't have to show you skin, but it shows curves, and the imagination does the rest. Yeah. Anyway. So enough just creepy lusting after Jamie Smollett. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's like, hey, Letty. And she's like, oh, only my friends can call me Letty. And mm-hmm. she's like, are we still friends? And and he says, this is very sweet. He says, well, you were the only female member of the Southside Futurist Science Fiction Club. Yeah. And then he's like, hey, where where have you been? She says, a little bit of everywhere. And he says, what have you been doing? She says, oh, everything. It's like, God damn, I love Letty so much. <laughs> and then Uncle George shows up with uh, Hippolyta and Dee, who are going through a checklist that is included in his book of like, here's all the shit. you ne- If you're going to hit the road as a black person in America, here's the shit you need to make sure you have in your car. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a very sweet little scene. He's like, all right, got spare tire, God damn it. You know, all that stuff. And then he's like, but wait. There's one thing I'm missing. What is it, goddammit? And then D is like, you don't have to do this every time. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about, goddammit. I don't like being accused of anything. <laughs> and she, she says, here's the travel comic. And it's, I, I like in this moment how uh, Courtney B. Vance, a.k.a. CBV, when he says, like, I need my travel comic. I need to know what happens to Panther Man. Yeah. <laughs> 
it's a great delivery, man. And, but but it's not a Panther Man comic. She's got a new comic that she's done, which features uh, a young black girl as the as the heroine of the uh, of the comic book. And he's like, mm-hmm. you know what? I like this. God damn it! And uh, and so it's time to hit the road. And we get a big insert that says Midwest. Yep. And this is where this James Bond uh, Baldwin monologue begins. Yeah, I was going to say not James Bond. <laughs> no, Baldwin, James Baldwin. <laughs> Hello, Money Penny. <laughs> I like my racism obvious, not subtle. Um, <laughs> what's your name? Plenty O'Toole, named after your father, no doubt. <laughs> Crossburner. <laughs> The man with the kerosene cross. A heavy crossbow. He hates blacks. (laughs) (laughs) It's the terrifying racist James Bond film, Crossburner. You can no longer get it. It's in the vault with Song of the South. It's James Blonde. Is that what we're calling? James Blonde in Cross Murder, sure. <laughs> um, oh, so bad. But, but so the, the Baldwin monologue, it, it, it was actually a debate with our old friend William F. Buckley. Yes, yes. And it was uh, a... a a debate about racism held on a national television stage among two great thinkers of the time. Mm-hmm. And, and amazing that the thing happened at all, you know, it was a, mm-hmm. a, an amazing event. And James Baldwin delivers this very, uh, very eloquent and very powerful speech about how um, your reality determines your perspective that, you know, uh, that it is understandable that white people are shocked at the behavior of, of some of the black people in America, because they live in a reality where blacks are just naturally subservient mm-hmm. and, and et cetera, et cetera. It's again, if you've never heard it, go listen to the whole thing, uh, well beyond what's in the, in the, uh, in, in the show. But while you're listening to this in the show, you are seeing, uh, them travel through the Midwest into white America where they're not allowed to order from the same window, uh, as whites, uh, when they're stopping to get gas, uh, yeah. this dude just pretends to be a monkey. Um, and, and his friends just laugh, you know, and, and Letty has to stop Atticus from beating this dude's ass rightfully, but knowing like that leads to all of us being dead. Mm-hmm. If we were to do something like that. We also get the concept of sundown towns, which is something I had never come across. Oh, so, really? I Yeah, I didn't, I didn't yeah. know what that meant at all. And as soon as, as soon as it was very quickly explained to me in this episode, it just once again absolutely terrified me. So, um, yeah. Like, humans really are a fucking blight, Bo. And to be honest with you, like, see if we were wiped out tomorrow, I don't think, I don't think that would be a bad thing. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine why they're, you know, protesting the streets in America, Duncan. It yeah. just doesn't, doesn't seem right. But yeah, so yeah, I mean, right, we pass a, a sign for a sundown town, which are, are towns that say uh, you cannot be black and exist uh, out of doors within uh, the the confines of this county. Yeah. Um, again, just, you know, it's horrifying stuff. But um, then 
uh, George proposes like, hey, you know, let, let's take a detour. We're going to check out this diner that I've heard good things about. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I, I like that as they're pausing and talking about, you know, hey, we're going to stop this diner for lunch. Letty is just snapping some thirsty pics of Tick as he's like taking <laughs> off his shirt and stuff. And she's like, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Get this piece <laughs> of man on on camera. And uh, <laughs> I get it. I get it. You're both beautiful, beautiful people. And if you two want to fuck on this show, please. Please do. Uh, yes. Uh, I'll, although I'll, we, 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 may, we may get a... Uh... Yeah, me get an indication of uh, what what sort of trouser snake he's packing. It's oh my goodness! <laughs> <laughs> Literally, and then um, Letty, when they get back in the car, I like the fact that she's like, "Y'all are driving. I'm 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 controlling the radio station." Then mm-hmm. I think that's funny. Anyway, so then we get to Simmonsville, Simmonsville, yep. which uh, it looks a little suspect because as we pass a fire station in slow motion. A German shepherd is barking to beat the band. Yes. Uh, which is ominous. Yes. And then we notice as we part, we find the diner uh, and the, the place next door is boarded up and has scorch marks on the front of it, it turns out. Yep. Yep. I seem, you would say that these signs are are a very telling bow of something that may be happening and our characters appear to be slightly oblivious to it. Yeah. So the name of the place has changed. Uh, to like the Simmonsville dinette. And as soon as they enter, it's just one white dude at the counter of this diner and the, the guy who works there. As soon as they, they come in, they're like, well, I guess we're just going to see ourselves. God damn it. And they sit yeah. down in a booth. The other customer leaves and uh, uncle George is like, how about some menus? God damn it. And the <laughs> waiter grabs some, brings them over. But he's like, the fuck, the fuck, the fuck. He's like, he's like, <laughs> and like, you're gonna take our order and he was like ah, excuse me please <laughs> like he's like kind of pasty pimple face <laughs> i need to check the boy. grill for a second sir yeah <laughs> and of course he disappears to get them coffee which um over well, like that mm. uh and then letty goes to the bathroom and while she's at the bathroom she well as she's heading to the bathroom she overhears a whitey mcwhite um, on the phone uh, with a, a guy basically saying, listen, they're in here. I haven't served them. Please, <laughs> please do not burn down. You know what? Well, it doesn't say please don't burn down, but he's like, honestly, I didn't, because he understands that there might be uh, something coming this way, uh, which he just wants to distance himself very quickly from, because you imagine that anyone seen breaking the rules of the town, so to speak, are, are maybe liable for the same sort of punishment that the building might get. Yeah. Um, and whilst we're sitting there, we are through the perspective of Atticus just looking around. He's doing the old uh, usual suspects, looking at the board, going, <laughs> "Yeah, I had this lawyer called Kobayashi." Uh, you know, like he's just like kind of looking around, and he starts to notice that the walls are painted a very fresh coat of white, like like very fresh coat of white, and just generally asks uh, Uncle George, "Why? Why is the house the White House white again?" And Uncle George, we're going to explain this very important time in American history. Bo, would you like to regale the, the audience members of your of your of your history uh, as a nation as to why that the White House is actually white? Yeah, and he says, "Well, goddamn it, in the war eighteen twelve, British burned down the goddamn White House, burned it to the ground, Bo, burned it to the ground. <laughs> Slaves built it back because of course they did, mm-hmm. and they painted it white to cover up all the goddamn fire damage." Yep. 
And at that point, they say in it, Atticus puts his foot on one of the floor tails, pulls it back, and it's in the words of Will Ferrell and Austin Powers, very badly burned. Yeah. (laughs) And as he realizes, like, oh, we're in trouble, Letty literally comes running out of the back and is like, we got to get the fuck out of here right now. And we can hear the sirens Uh as well in the distance. And, like, it's kind of... As not we use this quite a lot, but it's the kind of we got one. And a kind of slapstick manner, uh, which is juxtaposed by the terrifying nature that is jumping in the car, Letty's fucking driving, because uh, we ain't got time to argue about who's driving, and the car te- tears off as uh, a fire engine is behind a kind of hillbilly pickup vehicle which has two guys wielding firearms, which is apparently an American God-given right bow, mm-hmm. uh, and shooting on the street, just shooting them on the street. And we are tearing it as fast as we can out of, what was it, Simmonsville or Simmonstown? Or... Yeah, Simmonsville. Yeah, we are tearing it out of there as quick as possible. Yeah, and so as they're being shot at and uh, Tick is, is shooting back, mm-hmm. uh, and Uncle George yells at uh, Letty, uh, he's like, girl, you're about to crash goddamn car. <laughs> you're about to, about to rape my woody. And, <laughs> and Letty says, uh, I'm not going to crash. And my name's not girl. It's Letitia fucking Lewis. Which is, yes, give me that on a t-shirt. Uh-huh. And so as she's like one of, one of the, like the fire truck kind of spins out, but the other truck is behind. And then there's a road running uh, parallel, but intersecting uh, to the road that they're on. Yep. Letty and uh, Tick both see that this car is coming, and so Letty is trying to get just ahead of that sedan, yep. a it's silver a sedan. Silver car, but that looks suspiciously like a car that we've already seen before. That's right, and she's trying to get ahead of that and put that sedan in between her and their pursuers. Yes, and she does just by the you know skin of her teeth. Uh, they get ahead of it. The sedan then cuts a hard left to block the road. Yeah. And the car, you're like, holy shit, that truck is about to plow into that sedan uh, and flip right over the, the fucking car and land on the road. And all that happens except for hitting the sedan. Yeah, there's a bit of distance between where the car stops and uh, the pickup hitting it. And then it like straight up some matrix shit here. Does he full flip? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like right over. But like it reminded me, there's that that scene. I think there's a similar scene in Stranger Things. I remember when I watched. It, I was like, oh, <laughs> the vehicle just caves in at the front to an imaginary blockade and then spins over, wiping out the racists. I will tell you right now, not a tear was fucking shed for them. Um, no. In fact, I may have high fived, fist pumped the air, and yeah. And um, they do not hang around to find out who is in this car. Uh, they speed off very quickly, but a white woman uh, appears from the car, all dressed up to the nines, Bo. Um, but they ain't staying around. They are on the road, and they arrive at Letitia's brother's house. That's right. Um, who they have called ahead, and he's been asking around about this Arden place. Mm-hmm. And says, you know, the thing is... There are a lot of reports of animal attacks and missing people, but all those missing people could also be the result 
of the fact that there's a super racist sheriff in town. Super, like, uber racist sheriff. Right. Uh, and also, Artem was probably founded by witch hunters. Yes. <laughs> so, it's a town that doesn't seem to be on any maps in the middle of nowhere, founded by witch hunters, also patrolled by a super racist sheriff. So, yeah. good luck. Yeah. I, I, the only thing that's missing is a crazy Ralph telling you you're all fucking doomed. It's a Lovecraft cuss. <laughs> and and Tick says we've got to go to the registry so we can find the property lines to get the rough like land map of yeah. where this town's going to be. And so we see uh, af- a- after this initial meeting to drop some exposition on us, Uncle George uh, is like chatting with D on the phone about, you know, that's a real goddamn good comic. Hey, uh, mm-hmm. how about you put your mother on the phone? I'm a little, I'm, I think I'm a little horny. And <laughs> Hippolyta gets on the phone and he's like, tell you what, next trip, how about you come too? And we can get sexy anytime we want, goddammit. <laughs> Minus the sexy anytime you want, goddammit. Yeah. But this is, is, is one of, once again, this kind of tender moment where she, when he hears her say that, she puts the phone to her chest, um, which I'm... I, I just really like that. I, I think that's kind of sweet. And um, uh, and they come off the phone. But meanwhile, Letitia's getting a strong dressing down from her brother, who had loaned her money in the past, doesn't know where it went, is fucking rightly horrified that she did not show up at her mother's funeral. And then we find that Letitia used the money to bail out friends. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe insinuating that she might be involved with some sort of organization or yeah i mean it could even be like the black panthers or something well that's like what that, that's kind of know? what i thought they were leaning towards is maybe she's you know assisting that cause right um much to her brother's like just general disgust that she didn't attend that and of course the, the, it starts to get a bit heated um and meanwhile we're kind of juxtaposing that with the conversation that we have between uncle george and atticus where they talk about specifically him growing up and how you know, Atticus's dad was, you know, abusive, very kind of angry man. And like George is like, well, listen, he, you know, it's the, he's the product of what he grew up in. Um, and it's a great conversation because Atticus is like, well, you grew up in the same household. Look how you turned out. And George is like, well, yeah, he, but he was the youngest though. So he was the youngest, he was the smallest and he took the brunt of it. And I should have done more to protect him. And there's this kind of dig from Atticus to, to Uncle George, well, you know, like you could have done more to maybe look out for me. Yeah, kind of leaning back into that. And then, of course, we hear the smash in the background and Atticus turns around to get involved. And then George does essentially what he's been kind of, he's acknowledged as his fault, reiterated that is his fault. And then, you know, well, that's family business. You don't get involved with that, which is kind of what Atticus is, Talking about, you know, like, like not inserting yourself into these situations, which on some level is the right thing to do, also has consequences, uh, which I like. It's, it's a great, it's a, George is a great character, but there's a reason I think he's a bit of a bookworm. There's, there's that escapism into that world, which doesn't necessarily denote heroics in real life. Although, when you see what he does for a living, is maybe the most heroic job you could do. In terms of putting himself constantly in harm's way, but not for me for causes which maybe are not as close to home. 
Right. Yeah. They've been more noble pursuits right. than they are necessarily um, a family related pursuits. Well, he, you know, he's a bit of a dreamer and an idealist, and and, yes. and that translates to real action. Yes. But even that action, I think you're right, is like there's a, a bit of fantasy role playing that he's doing there where he's like, I'm the hero of this. Yeah. And and not in a, a like he's not a bad dude at all. And he's, no, he's no. doing it for the right reasons and all that. But, yeah, there is this kind of detachment that's ideological and 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 very esoteric. And mm. and yeah, and I think that maybe the fact that he gets away from his family a little bit is something that he kind of likes yes and and also is clearly carrying a torch for the dead mother of atticus yeah <laughs> um he has a picture of her in his fucking wallet so you know uncle Tr well you know sometimes you just need something to crank to god damn it yeah and, <laughs> you just had to make sure that uh, what was in that letter bro yeah so <laughs> yikes <laughs> Next morning, Duncan, uh, as Uncle George and Atticus are getting ready to leave, Letty is packing her shit into Woody, the, the car, yep. uh, without a word. Doesn't say a word. They don't say anything to her. It's just like, all right, we, we don't need to have a big to-do about this. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we get the insert on the screen, Duncan, Devon County. Yeah. And we are now looking for the road to Artem. We're kind of going back, uh, uh, back and forth down these country roads, trying to find this one road that's going to lead into the actual lost town of Artem. Yes. And Atticus asks George to pull over so he can check the woods for an overgrown road. Uh, Letty comes out to help him look, and they they hear something rattling in the brush. And Letty is like, "What that? What is that?" And uh, Atticus laughingly says, "Oh, it's a shugoth." Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, what the fuck is a Shaga thing? He's like, oh, there are these like kind of blob things with a, a million eyes. And uh, there are these creatures from Lovecraft stories. And mm -hmm. she's like, shut up. Yeah. And, <laughs> and while they're chatting and George is, is still behind the wheel uh, in Woody, the sheriff of Devon County rolls up behind him. Yes, he does indeed. And part of me, when I saw this, I started giggling. I don't know why I started giggling because I just imagined, um, and it's the, the the cards have all been played rather spectacularly together here on this one. This idea that you know Pinhead is a recurring character originally came in for the he's out of work he's out, out yeah. work Pinhead, uh, and he originally applied for the role of George Freeman, uh, which is why I mentioned it earlier on, but not understanding that maybe he's not. Uh, racially equipped to play that role, if you know yeah. what I mean, Bo. Read between the lines. Uh, so he, he's right on the phone to his agent, and his agent says, you know, what, what will be a great career choice is that you audition for the role of the sheriff, which I don't think... I, I think he thought the word supremacist uh, denoted his position in hell. And I don't think he understands that he fully is a racist. Oh, hello there. Um, could you get away from behind the wheel, please? Mr. Driver, and you young couple over there, uh, please come over here. And if you just like to, uh, yes, um, stand in front of me here and please don't. This character, by the way, is maybe, this is, like you mentioned this earlier on, and I think this is once again a genius part of this show, is that of all the creepy, weird fucking shit that you're going to see, the most horror that you're going to see on screen here is just man. Yeah. 
he he what? is less of a monster when he becomes a monster. Yeah, it is like it, like the, the 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 part of this that terrified me the most is the the realization of the game that he's playing. And this genuinely to the point when the penny dropped for me about five minutes after this scene, I thought you are maybe one of the most loathsome characters I've seen on TV in forever. <laughs> like, because like, he's he's uh, he's a this is the epitome of a small dicked, you know, like, like everything is a, a threat to my authority. Um, sort of character I have ever seen and you know these people still fucking exist which is the terrifying part of it but essentially what we get out of the back of this is a conversation of him saying you, you understand that this is a, a sundown town and they're like well no we, we, we didn't know that and he's like well it is and they're like well you know and it's once again Atticus because George he's been in this position a million fucking times knows exactly how to speak I'm sorry sir it's just me my nephew Atticus and uh, you know his friend Letitia and we're just driving through here and we stop for a bathroom break and all the rest and this cop very quickly levels out the fact that you know this is a sundown town and had he caught them taking a piss in the woods you know during uh, sundown essentially um, he would fucking string them up and he'd be yeah. in the law to do it and you know I mean it's just it's for fucking horrific I, I think that's why Pinhead back there I think he was like if I've caught you <laughs> pissing near yeah. <laughs> near my woods after dark, I would have to hang you by the neck. I couldn't possibly. Yeah, I have to hang you by the neck. Excuse me, give me a second till I phone my agent. Hello, Steve. Yes, Steve. I'm. What is what is this? Oh, white supremacist! I thought you you said supreme uh, supreme being. I thought I yes, this is. This is not the role that I want. I, I wish to tender my resignation um, on Lovecraft Country. And furthermore, I wish to pull my support for 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 Steve Beam's talent agency. Uh, yes, Pinhead is going back in the box um, where it is safe and non-judgmental. All those are carried equally in the realms of hell. Uh, we do not see color. We do not see creed. We do not see wealth or or... Oh, our deprivation. All those are treated equally with condemnation in the palace of hell. Uh, Pinhead wants back in the box, please, before he commits career suicide. Um, please. <laughs> Look, Steve. <laughs> Look, you know how we are in hell. We like the taste of the tears of suffering as much as anyone. <laughs> but those tears taste no different based on the skin of the cheeks they roll down. Yeah, you can, this is his moment. This is Pinhead's moment for standing up against racial inequality. I love it. Right. He's making it. He's making his fucking stand right now. Pinhead won't accept this role, Bo. He's no. not going to accept this role. And yeah, he may appear somewhere later on in this show. And if he does, it'll be because he believes in the role he's been given, not the role that was forced upon him by shitty agent Steve. This is not for me, Steve. <laughs> and your suffering for recommending me for the part will be legendary, even in Hollywood. <laughs> even in Hollywood. <laughs> but, like, so let, let me paint the scene out here, Bo, and to why this is. This scene is fucking amazing. It, because it is the scariest scene of the episode. Yeah, and we we still get to vampires. So, like, bear with us, folks. Mm -hmm. um, because 
I mean, Atticus, Uncle George, very, you know, yes or no, sir, thank you, sir, you know, playing into that idea of white authority. And they talk about, you know, I'd be well within my rights to string you up. And Atticus just basically, oh, well, it's not sundown just now. And like the sheriff's like, ooh, we got ourselves a smart one here, eh? Well, um, sundown and wherever we are, uh, Devon County is uh, like nine minutes past seven. Um, and he's like, well, we'll drive east to get out. And he's like, ah, you're not going to get out of the county in nine minutes uh, driving east. And of course, once again, Atkins is like, well, we'll drive north then. And he's like, oh, right, yeah, smart guy again. Yeah, I suppose you could do that. And of course, they get in the car. And then the f- the first thing Atticus thinks is, what's cops going to do? The first time I do anything remotely illegal or anything, he can pull me over or he's going to. And the first thing that could happen is doing a U-turn, which is illegal on these roads. So he asks them. And I'm not going to I'm not going to see the words he makes him say. Right. Because there's an M-bomb in here, which made me very uncomfortable to hear. Um, but basically, if he pleads and says, please, because he says, please, at first, he's like, no, you can do better than that. And makes him replete this line, which once again I'm not gonna not gonna do. Um, then I'll let you do a U-turn. And of course, Atticus realizing the bigger stake here capitulates to that. Letty is horrified by the situation, but they do a U-turn and head north bow. And the clock is a ticking. And we have this really tense, like like it reminded me. Remember the scene in um a Sicario? Mm-hmm. where they're on the bridge, where cars yeah. are moving like so slow, yet my asshole was sweating more than it's ever like, yep. literally just, this is the most tense thing ever, so they're driving and of course, like, as they're moving away and Uncle George is working down the map of how far away they are and you know, we just need to get to the railway line and we're, we're out of the county, so that's that's just fine, and they're driving along and as they start to travel towards a 25 mile an hour sign that's when the cop car starts appearing in the background, and he's just going to follow them, just to make sure that they don't speed, and he starts to antagonise them by driving up, bashing the car at the back of him, just to see if he can provoke some sort of reaction which will merit the pullover and to Atticus's credit, he stays the stays the road, toes the line, drives towards the, you know, and they're going to make it, and it's right to the last minute, and they make it across the line, and the cop car stops, and a wave of relief washes over not only the characters, but me as the viewer. But what they don't realise is the county that they've just driven into is also a sundown town. Yeah, and the, the sheriff apparently has radioed ahead. Oh, he fucking knew. That's yeah. why he smiled when he said, "Oh, that might work." So yeah, there was a. This is the Kobayashi Maru of of racial journeys here, and that there is a no win scenario here, regardless what direction you go. He was always he was always going to get what he wanted, which is to me is the sickest part of this is the game that he gave them hope, right. um, and right. that is fucking horrifying. Right. This isn't. I'm enforcing a law that I may or may not agree with. This yeah. is. I am taking a a special pleasure, yeah, and and toying with you and and marches them. He and uh, some other deputies march them out into the woods. And it's like they're about to. This is about to be a real Mississippi burning situation where they just get fucking shot in the woods. You know. Yeah. Under false, like the, the the pretenses they're using here is there have been a string of burglaries in the area, and they must be the perpetrators. Yeah, no, that... no, no investigation, no nothing, and they know they're not. Um, but you know the the, the right color of skin, so that'll do. To crush on Jamie Smollett a little bit more, yes. there is a moment in this scene where Atticus says, 
trying to play it cool, like taking Uncle George's lead, because Uncle George is like, it's just a misunderstanding, goddammit. Nobody needs mm-hmm. to get shot here. And Atticus is like, you know what? He He's right. This is a misunderstanding. I know you think that we're burglars or something, but you you can absolutely search our car. You will find no stolen goods in there. And the sheriff says, I think it's I think it's cute how you think you could allow me to search your car. Yeah. yeah. And and it's the at that point you see Jamie Smollett's character, Letitia, she just kind of lowers her head a little bit and starts crying. Yeah. And it's like we're going to we're going to die. There's no talking our way out of this. Yeah. Like she feels like their fate is now sealed. It's really it's a heartbreaking moment to see a character accept their own death on screen, but that's what's happening. And there's the, a noise in the background though, Bo. Did you hear that noise in the background? That sounds weird. Yeah. So what happens, Duncan, <laughs> is they are beset by shoggoths. Yeah, which isn't it funny that you throw a casual joke, a a casual Lovecraft reference joke about monsters in the woods, and then those monsters turn up. Yes, and they are fucking vicious. They are indeed. It is. uh, They're they're kind of like sort of like the monster dogs from Ghostbusters, only a bunch more eyes and fatter. Yeah, yeah, they look like the the maybe been doing. Oh, I've been taking like a lot of a lot of protein supplements. <laughs> right, a lot of a lot of pumpkin pies. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and so everybody starts running after one of them just like murders a deputy, and there's some quality head eating. Oh yes, uh, we don't get enough of that in TV. Yeah, where like one of these things just grabs a deputy and and eats him from like mid shoulders up, and it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh. So we we get to a cabin where uh, Letitia and Atticus uh, have have found some safety. Um, George uh, follows in the woods, but he's got a flashlight thanks to a severed arm. So we end up with Uncle George, Letitia, Atticus, a deputy, and an injured racist sheriff. Yeah. In this cabin, trying to uh, stave off these hordes of Shogoths. And yeah. uh, the sheriff, not looking great. No, no, he's he's looking a bit he's looking a bit paler as well. Yeah, he's he's peaked. Yeah, <laughs> he's whiter than white, Bo. Right, uh, he's <laughs> super white. And <laughs> and uh, so. George is quoting Dracula. Because I love it, because he's like, what is that noise? He's like, it's Children of the Night. <laughs> yeah, and the sheriff's like, what? And, uh, and and he's like, I said it's a goddamn Children of the Night. What beautiful music they make. It, it's from Dracula, you ignorant fuck. And, <laughs> and, uh, uh, and the sheriff's just like, shut up with all that reading. And <laughs> well, 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 looks like we got ourselves a reader. Yeah. What you reading for? <laughs> what you reading for? Huh? <laughs> Never got asked that before. Um, <laughs> the greatest mind of our generation. Yeah. Um, uh, so there, uh, Atticus is like, Hey, they don't like light. So I need to go get the car mm-hmm. and the sheriff Again, not looking great. It, it says, you're too smart. Send her. 
And so they send Letitia, who, by the way, was in track and field. So she's like, I'm honestly the best person that you can send. And uh, so basically Atticus is kind of giving her the like, all right, so what you're going to do, you're going to run for the car. Then you're going to come straight back here. If you hear gunshots, don't come back. Just Mm -hmm. get in the car and go. And uh, she starts saying the Lord's Prayer under her breath. And she's like, how are you not scared? This is like maybe the most scared I've ever been in my life. And you, is that something they taught you in Korea? And there's a a, a very nice line here where Atticus says, I'm not scared because I'm about to be saved by Letitia fucking Lewis. Yes. And you're like, God damn it, Atticus, you're a hero. (laughs) And (laughs) a natural leader, Atticus. Mm -hmm. And anyway, so uh, Letitia bus out and and just hoofs it running running hard like some tom cruise level fucking running to beat the band and she gets uh uh as she is being pursued through the woods the sheriff starts to mutate <laughs> yeah because <laughs> they're like you know you know what happens when vampires bite other people well they turn into and then he starts that and they they plead with the other police officer just to kill him Um, and then even say you know what I'll kill him if you don't want to (laughs) blame on the black man Um, and this guy just he he thinks a bit too long yeah yeah because immediately this is one of my favorite effects of the episode actually Mm -hmm. the sheriff just leans over and bites the bottom half of his head off yep so that leaves the upper jaw and it's a it's pretty good yep um, and then, you know, starts to become super, you know, dumpy Shagoth. And Letty uh, saves the day by driving the car through the wall, hitting the sheriff, knocking him away. Uh, then it's like this siege moment where they've got the headlights of the car on. They've got a bunch of flares that they're throwing out just in a desperate attempt cre- mm-hmm. to create as much light as possible. It is like a it is a last stand moment, um, and like with characters like come on, you know, yeah. it is shit has gone down, and at the last moment before they are about to be just completely consumed by uh, these shagoths, a whistle uh, is heard, mm-hmm. and off fuck the shagoths, yeah. <laughs> Holy fuck. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and Letitia and, and Atticus and George just kind of busted up. So he's just laying in the back. Um, they just look at each other like, what in the fuck? And then we cut to the next morning where our heroes cross a bridge mm-hmm. onto a green lawn uh, where we see this giant manor in the middle of the forest. Yeah. And we get the insert that says Artem. Yeah. And they go up to the door of this place. And before Atticus can even knock, the door opens and the most Aryan dude ever (laughs) answers and says, we've been expecting you, Mr. Freeman. Welcome home. Mm. End of episode. Yeah. It's, It's a great opener. It gives you everything you want. Absolutely everything you want. Uh, and so, and so that is the end of episode one because we are uh, we ran a, a little wordy 
Yes, very wordy. <laughs> That's uh, going to happen. We've not podcasted in how long? <laughs> uh, the two and a half years. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 71 years. Um, I think so- Reagan was in office. <laughs> um. But uh, but but so we're gonna we're gonna stop there and we're gonna do episodes two and three uh, as yep. a a double and we'll be doing two episodes at a time uh, moving forward, um, uh, unless we get antsy and we just decide to do an episode on a single episode. We'll we'll yeah. we'll, we'll play it as it lays. But, I think I think if there's a ton of content that merits a single episode, then we'll probably do a single episode. But I think and right, we're both seen episode two and we can tell you ton of fun um like a lot of fun um but yeah i I think in terms of opening episodes this i mean it states its it states its agenda upfront and honest it's it's full of things that make me excited specifically the literary nods which we'll we'll get into um more in the more in the next episode um we we know that you know, Lovecraft is more than just a name on the <laughs> on the show title. We're gonna get some weird creatures, gonna get some supernatural shit. Um and it has already given me some of the tense tense scenes I've seen on TV this year. Casting is on fucking point. Scoring is on fucking mm-hmm. point. Uh, and this is a show that is full of pulpy swagger and also heady style that makes me um very 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 excited i'm i am overjoyed that uh you have kind of almost forced me to watch it because i don't know when i would have got around to lovecraft country uh but one episode in i am 100 percent hooked yeah and and worth noting misha green is the uh the, the creator and the one who who developed the series from uh book to to television um and has done it with i, I think swagger is the oh, best God. word. Yeah. You know, like she has just uh, thrown her uh, vaginal dick on the table. <laughs> vaginal dick. And, and been like, this is just like, this is one of the strongest pilots I think I've ever seen. Yeah. I, I mean, it just feels so assured. Yeah. You know and, what I mean? There's and, no, there's no kind of tentative, like <laughs> dipping the toe in the pool to make sure it's the right temperature. This is just like, this is a cannonball of an episode. Yeah. It's all in. Yeah, I mean, as soon as Jackie Robinson blew up Cthulhu with a baseball bat, <laughs> I was just like, that is something I didn't know I ever needed to see, but now that I've seen it, I can't believe it took this long. I didn't know it was a sentence Bo was ever going to say, but now I've heard that I want to say it more. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it blew my fucking mind, and then... Yeah. It, like you said, as the show goes on, it it shows that it's a it, it not only has that like pulpy fun that yeah. there is a depth to it that is uh, at times frightening, at times heartbreaking, but it's always sort of in like informative. And the fact that it's a show that is uh, largely created by black filmmakers about the black yep. experience, it feels it feels authentic and, and effortless in in carrying a message without, like you said, without ever being didactic or, or yeah. preachy. It just it just is what the show is. Yeah, it's set in an era, and that is what happened in that era. It doesn't need to bring attention to that. That's just the world that we live in, and I think that is a very smart choice to do it's also worth saying this show been in development for a little while um and has arrived probably at one of the more pertinent times it could um so i think i i mean i think there's i think it's great to see this sort of stuff like really finding a foothold um 
and the people that are involved with the process, HBO is the logical fit for it. Yeah. But this this show really, like specifically after episode two and seeing the teaser for basically where the show is going to go in episode number three, um, we've got so much story to get into, and I I cannot fucking wait. I cannot wait. I think this this could be a contender this year. Uh, I think this is already kind of setting its stall out. And that is no easy thing to say because there's been some incredible TV this year. So um, this one, yeah, I am very, very, very excited. I think we are we are in for a thrill ride like none other. Bo. Yeah, it could. The rest of the series could be half as good as the first episode and still be great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, it could still be like one of the highlights of the year. Yeah. So that's how good that opening episode is. Yeah, it's it's something else. Like, I, and I think uh, HBO has made the first episode free on YouTube because they know if you give they give you a little taste, you're going to want the more. Oh, of uh, course. But but yeah. So if you just want to watch the premiere episode and and need a reason to spend 15 more yeah. bucks a month. Um, this will get you hooked and you will absolutely be subscribing to HBO to yeah. continue. And you should. Yeah, let me, let me, like, not if you want to watch. You should watch the, if it's on YouTube and it's free, go and watch it. It's easily uh, one of the best hour and ten minutes of television that you will have seen. Like, it reminded me of, I think the, the, the only show in recent memory that I can say I've been so excited for after a pilot episode is maybe True Detective. Like, yeah. when that first episode finished, I was just like, this is incredible. Like, my mind had fucking melted. It's, it's, it's not the same genre by any stretch of the imagination, but the feeling, that kind of giddy excitement of, oh, we, we, we've got something here. We, yeah. we have something here. Um, and I see where television is just batting a really high average to be given something which is, in my opinion, from that, that pilot episode, a head and shoulders above what I've seen this year, just and like, I, I, I can't describe that feeling. It's just like, yeah, I want more. I want it all. I want it yeah. now. It, 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 right. It's nice to watch something and be like, oh, this is something special. Yeah. And yeah. and get that feeling right away. And, 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 you know, we'll see if it sustains, but right now I, I, I'm flying high on cloud high nine. On yeah. Um, <laughs> Duncan, uh, as we close the episode, uh, very briefly, what you looking forward to watching before, uh, next we speak. Uh, so to to be honest, I'm now kind of wrapping up a lot of the the summer series stuff uh-huh. that I've been doing. So which is slowly starting to afford me the time to watch other things, which makes me incredibly happy. Trust me, no one is happier than I to be in a position that I can actually start watching modern stuff. Um, not that the 2000s have been um, any sort of chore. In fact, most of what I watched over there has been pretty fucking incredible uh but to give you uh something that i will be starting uh next week that i have a feeling is going to make you very happy uh but i am finally going to sit down and watch that haunted hill house on netflix so i've I've (sighs) carved out a bit of time some almost what two years after it came out uh, I'm finally getting around to it because uh, season two is a coming. Yeah, uh, Bly Manor on the way. Uh, yeah, I want to make sure I'm up to date uh, before that that hits in, and then I have to mad. Are you watching? Dash. Are you watching director's cut? Um, if that's what's available on Netflix, then yes. Uh, I don't not, think it, then. Yeah, it is I might have to. I might have to buy it then. I might have to buy it if that does it make a huge difference. Not a huge difference, but it's nice. <laughs> I, it, I think it, what else I might watch before we speak next. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, I might watch that director's cut of Doctor Sleep, which is still in shrink wrap. So oh, I might pull that out and get that watched as well. That's fucking good. 
that uh-huh. that really makes it a better movie i think and well i've got the, the uh, since uh, last we spoke the house has went under some changes uh and i now have the ultimate kind of cinema experience room in the room that i'm podcasting podcasting and now so uh, i got myself one of those 4k uhd tvs i've got one of those 4k uhd players Mm -hmm. and i've got that one of those 4k uhd blu-rays so for that movie and it's director's cut so i'm kind of thinking that it's time for duncan to get some alone sexy time with Doctor Sleep directors. Let, let me warn you, if it's the same edition I have, because I, I got the same thing, and I'm with you. It's wonderful. Uh, the the theatrical cut is 4K. The director's is just Blu-ray. Oh, right. But uh, it's still it's still beautiful. Uh, yeah, it's still, well, I mean, it's a modern movie. Like yeah. shot by a great director, so I have no doubts in my mind it's still going to look great. I'm, uh, but when next we speak, I will have seen the new Bill and Ted's movie. I'm very excited about that. It's getting good reviews. It's sitting currently as we speak right now, eighty one percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So yeah, uh, we're doing it for the movie nights where we like have a big dinner and sit down and watch a movie. So we're watching, you know, a, a, a new theatrical release right right here in my home theater, Duncan with. Uh, Boom. With good food and and good friends, so I'm excited. Who needs about cinemas? That. Who needs cinemas? I, you know, like I get it. I do. I like the theater experience uh, as much as the next guy, but I also like being able to pay twenty bucks to eat a nice meal with friends yeah. and watch a movie. <laughs> you, you also you also like to be in a position where you can pour yourself another drink without being judged um, by anyone but yourself. Where where I can pull out my down my pants. Let it breathe, Duncan. Just, <laughs> let it some, breathe. Sometimes you just got to let the air in. You got to let your boys breathe. Hey, hey. Um, uh, uh, sunlight cures everything, Duncan. <laughs> and I'm testing that on my gonorrheas. Oh, dear God almighty. Oh. Yeah, it's a a red winking eye, goddammit. It, <laughs> and sometimes it looks like it's crying. It's all sappy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> old, old sappy homes. Hey, you can join uh, those folks uh, and more by uh, hopping over to tputzcast.com. Uh, you can subscribe to the podcast. Under the stairs, there is the uh, the, the whole league of shows now. Yeah, uh, the family. The, yeah, so what am I forgetting? Where else should I pimp you? Uh, that's tputzcast.com is the best place to to check it all out because it's all there so if you go from there you can you can find everything that i currently do also uh various editions of the king james bible (laughs) yeah some just edited by me yeah just very jeffersonian in that way of picking your favorite parts um Yeah, and uh, as for me, head over to legionpodcasts.com where you can uh, you can hear me on, on this show as well as uh, Pick 6 Movies and uh, Hero oh, Hero yeah. Go Show. I need to listen to your new episode of Pick 6 Movies because you did that um, in Fantasy Island, didn't Ooh, you? Oh, yeah, that was a stinker. Oh, it's such a fucking bad movie. <laughs> yeah. that's a, that, uh, my, my favorite joke in that whole thing is that uh, Michael Rooker was never intended to be in the film. They just had a wild Rooker on set running amok. <laughs> Hey, what are all those people doing out there? I just love this idea of like Michael Rooker sadly being let like they, they did like a, an episode of The Walking Dead on an on on an island and he's just been walking around the living off the wild since then and he just stumbled in at that movie. He was I'm on sure s- why I was here. <laughs> he was on set one day and uh he was like, I hate all you guys. I wish you were all gone. 
And then he like took a nap in his trailer and they packed up. And they they left to to do another shot somewhere else. He just woke up. He's like, "Hey, they're all gone." He's been home alone. Yeah, that's right. Um, just just Michael Rooker running about the forest, grabbing his feet, going, "Ah!" <laughs> yeah, he's you know what watching I made old my movies. Stars disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> I made my co-stars disappear. Uh, yeah, it, I, that's one of my favorite things about that movie is that Rooker shows up. R- Rooker got paid for a day and only worked half of it. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Anytime he gets money, I'm happy, though. Like, the fact that he appeared in that um, upcoming trailer for the, the teaser for the Suicide Squad, sure. a movie which I could not be fucking interested in until that trailer dropped and Michael Rooker was in it. I was like, that. yep, I'll watch that. <laughs> yeah, no, that looks like the James Gunniest movie that ever James gunned, and I'm totally fine with that. Yeah, to- totally in it. <laughs> yeah, I, I I like his the cut of his jib, but... Uh, I do indeed. Anyway, so uh, we'll be back in, uh, I guess, about a week, week and a half after we yeah. watch the third episode. Uh, as soon as soon as the third episode drops and we have time to record something, we'll be back. So, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, as always, uh, rate and review and smash that subscribe and uh, tickle the like, whatever they do. Uh, and we'll be back uh, soon to talk about more of uh, of this wonderful show, Lovecraft Country. Uh, nothing left to do but say goodnight, Duncan. So, say goodnight. Goodnight. Duncan. Yes. Oh. <laughs> I'm waiting to get you. I'm working on it. I got you. Yeah. <laughs>